uh, by two by in the first hit is basically taking me down to a sliver. And then obviously, if I get hit the second time, I'm dead. But there is a guy on a horse and a shield <laughs> that I can't even get past. <laughs> okay. That, so for then, those of you who don't know, the reason I laugh. <laughs> trick. So that is the tree sentinel. Yes. And he is that fuck around and find out type of guy. <laughs> You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 557. I'm your host, Tricky Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, and the man who sealed my fate this week. It's Alex. In the dead space, no one can hear you scream. Wah, wah, wah. What the hell did you do that for? It wasn't a joke that didn't land. Oh, it definitely didn't land. It wasn't a joke. Uh, good, because your joke telling is horrible. It's incredibly ominous. You're the one that always insists that he's so funny. I'm hysterical. But yet, jokes always come back at you like a cream pie in the face. I had a joke there, but not a lot of people are going to get the reference. Alexa, turn on right light. I hate this. Right light. There you go. Let Legacy hi to the chat. He's come to see the skill, so let's uh let's uh make sure we provide it. We have not one but two guests that I, I say this with love and respect were forced on me this week by a evil plan that was hashed by Alex last week. First, returning from last week, it's V. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing today? And apparently, uh, Alex felt like you know I had to be tag team this week. By the couple G, or the G couple as I call them. Matt, how you doing, sir? You're here as well. So when my beautiful wife comes bounding into the bedroom last week and saying, oh, I had a great time recording, and by the way, we're both back on next week, I think the first question in my mouth was, do they know how terrible of an idea that is for Tricky? <laughs> well, and, and I, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because it wasn't Tricky's idea, it was mine. Because as soon yes. as V said that Tricky doesn't want both of you on at the same time, I'm like, light bulb, epiphany, that's a great idea. And Tricky, maybe you can settle this. Uh, are oh, you just, boy. do you not want them on the show because you are so jealous of their fantastic Italian name? Meanwhile, you're sitting here, you know, flying the Miller flag. What's wrong with the Miller flag? It sounds ex extremely Italian, Tricky. That's the problem. Okay. What's wrong with being Italian? What? What's wrong with being Italian? Tricky, do you not understand that Miller is the most boring Italian name ever? Listen, I, I don't even want to get started on names. Alex, if that is your real name. Alex Saunders, <laughs> it's very English, which is where my heritage comes from. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it's an interesting thing as I was listening to the last week's episode for having not been on the show, my name <laughs> was said a total, I think of like 172 times. Well, to, to be fair, Matt, your name was mentioned so many times because V went through like three different iterations of your name every time she said your name. So, you know, you got to cut that number down by a third <laughs> to, to, to get the actual number of times you were referenced. Well, no, that's why I had difficulty counting because I couldn't keep up with how many times she switched over to my pseudonyms. It, it's difficult for me because when I stream, I always call him Ender. As that's that's his gamer name, and people just go with everything. And it's just like, and I'm talking and talking, and I go, and and Matt, <laughs> like that's how it comes out because it's like, which name do I use? Light Legacy, thank you for the sub there. Appreciate that. Uh, love all of our subscribers. Uh, all right, let's now. Okay, I, I I'm gonna start the show off. Because I forewarned Alex, V, and Matt all when we were setting up the show that our topic of the week is going to be very controversial. It's going to push the guidelines. And for anybody that doesn't know, uh, that knows that's podcasting to me, I have three rules when it comes to podcasting. We don't discuss politics, we don't discuss religion, and we don't discuss racism. Except because when we do thoughts, an entire podcast dedicated to all those things. Uh, well, no, I'm saying on trophy words, we don't cross those. And the only times we even step on that line is if something is related to the video games where we can toe the line. I understand right now that what we're going to talk about on the topic of the week is going to toe that line. I want to be very clear that we're going to try our best to skirt the line without getting too political, without getting too opinionated. Obviously, I told all three, speak your mind, but we have to skirt that line. So I'm very nervous going into the show. I, I got to be honest with you guys. And I've had conversations with all three, and all three understood where I'm at, and I understand where they're at, and I understand we're going to have opinions, but we are not going to fight about this. I am not going to address any comments in the chat or in the YouTube or anything like that, that cross that line because that's not what we're here to do we're here to discuss video games and the impact of our social communities and the social environment in the world how they impact video games uh before i move on to the actual show proper does anybody want to say anything party pooper man that's that's all, all i right. got all right Yay. uh Latin Legacy says just leave it to him to throw the grenades. He's a certified t Twitter shit starter. All right, Latin, I'm leaving it up to you, buddy. Because I am not going to engage in that. All right. Uh, Welcome, Ashley uh, Hannah. Oh, okay. Ashley Hannah. I, I assume that's uh, somebody in your stream. No, that's I don't have my stream up going. It's someone that actually just came into our community. Oh, Uh. Ashley Hannah, if you are a real person, I apologize. But generally, when I see that message, I don't say hi until they say something because uh, it's normally a bot. I'll keep an eye like, on it. Yeah. Um, and but you know, I had somebody pop in the other name uh, with the name Fluff My Pillows. 
And I thought that was a bot, and then they started talking. <laughs> it turns out they were a long fan of the show. <laughs> Who actually, uh, uh, let me give a shout out to Fluff My Pillows. Uh, he informed me that he actually found the show, and he went back to the original days and is now listening from episode 300 up. Wow. So I immediately apologize for the Donnie days because, you know, we have to apologize for the Donnie days. I like that you apologize for the Donnie days, but not the audio quality. Well, I mean, audio quality aside, like the Donnie days were bad. All right. So, uh, again, before we go into the show proper, uh, we've been, well, I've been lacking. Uh, I asked Alex to do it, but Alex forgot last week. We've had some comments on our YouTube channel um, dating back to episode 551. So I want to try to address those YouTube comments for now before we forget. Um, So in the context, if I can... Remember what we were talking about? I'll uh, I'll, I'll try to explain the conversation we were have. Uh, Time to check my social media, y'all. And also with that, I'm going to address something because I've gotten three messages over the last week asking me why we don't use the extended version of that sound. And I'm going to say this on the show, so I stop getting these messages. I asked Yield and Alex if they wanted to do the, use the extended version, and they both said no. Alex, Thank explain you, yourself. <laughs> you know, I think that that, uh, that one little clip is enough. It's, it's enough for me. It gets the point across without staying, staying, uh, overstaying its welcome. Now the comments aren't showing up. Awesome. Now that I want to do this live. And this computer's still running slow, so I apologize. Uh... Let's see if we can get the comments. There we go. Comments. Okay. Uh, your comment from 551 is not showing up. I don't know why. Let's go to the next episode. 552. Is this why you didn't do it last week, Alex? Because the comments didn't pop up? Well, I didn't do it last week because we went almost two and a half hours, so. Okay. Uh, okay. So on fi- episode 552, um, Doc Chicken 13 is where all these comments come from. Uh, he says, Christopher Judge is 58 years old. He's as good, as good as he does with the voice. There's no chance due to the fact and lack of star power that it's like it's like people calling Philion for Drake. It was a pipe dream. They will cast a young, younger guy in his 30s or early 40s. I'm guessing their top choice will be Momoa, but I doubt he'll do it unless they have anything to, uh, else appealing lined up. Unless the script or money is shockingly good, which I highly doubt, video game movies will always be terrible unless there is really good creative director has crazy passion for the game and isn't micromanaged by a studio. Best chance is the guy making Mel Gersal with Oscar Isaac. Um, hold on. Let's read more. Uh, since he hasn't, since he said he isn't at, since he isn't starting it until he has the perfect script, sadly, it may never happen. Now, obviously that's in reference to them making the God of War. Uh, I don't know if it's a movie or a TV show. And we were talking about people. It's, it's on Amazon. It's a TV show. Okay. Uh, so the TV show, we were obviously talking about actors that could play Kratos. Uh, so I'll leave it up to you guys if you guys want to make a comment. Uh, but he's saying the fit, uh, Christopher Judge is just too old to play Kratos in the live action sh- show. I mean, yeah, I, I think that they would pick someone. You know, people respect Christopher Judge for, you know, his portrayal of Kratos, but also it's not physically him. He's the voice actor. He's not the actor. So... I mean, who knows? Harrison Ford is going to be in the next Indiana Jones, and he's 80, or almost 80. So, 
it, it could work with Christopher Judge. I just think they would want someone with more star power who, you know, would have a physique that would you would think would match Kratos's. Uh, but, you know, on the comment of uh, video game adaptations, obviously we're watching The Last of Us on television and having Neil Druckmann, you know, I saw that he directed last episode, but also overall in the project, executive producer, that really helps with the quality because you have someone who created the property and cares about it and cares about the portrayal on, you know, the television screen. So that kind of stuff and having someone involved with the project definitely helps. All right. Matt V, you want to say anything? It's interesting that a lot of people are saying that this actor is too old or this actor is too young or anything like that. If you look at Kratos and you look at his physique and has everything he does, he is on that older line when it comes down to everything. Do I think that Judge will be the actor? No. But do I believe that someone that's not Momoa that does have a a similar physique. Yes, I think that that's going to be the thing, but I don't think age is the big thing in this one. I think that it's it's more star power than anything. All right, Matt. Uh, along those similar lines, I think you're what you're looking at is what Alex alluded is that Judge is a voice actor, and that doesn't always translate to being an on-screen camera actor. And I think what you're looking at is you're going to get somebody who traditionally is more in front of cameras and, you know, maybe they take some pointers from judge on how Kratos is. Um, I know God of War does performance capture where judges in the entire getup. So he's still doing part of the performance physically, but from a, from a TV perspective, I think you're, going to be looking at somebody who is more traditionally on camera all right moving on to our next comment uh this was made on episode 554 this was in reference to super nintendo games that we'd like to see ported over to playstation and have trophy support um his comment was aladdin slash lion king collection exists for the ps4 i love those games on genesis as a kid so i did the plat mostly legit the game does have a watch mode where you are, uh, where you can cheap the trophies like the Cowabunga collection. And the last comment that we have was on episode five fifty five, um, and it says, "Couldn't disagree more about Elden Ring. Far superior to Forbidden West. LOL. But to each their own." I couldn't go back to Forbidden West after playing Elden Ring twice. I can't even get into Ragnarok. I'm mostly out on games as cinematic story attempts, unless it's a Master Kojima video game stories usually don't do it much for me. Also, can totally relate to Yield. When the Dolphins play, they have my undivided attention. After Bills, hope the Bengals can take them out. Well, obviously, the Bengals took them out, and the reason Yield's not here is because he's watching... The Bengals play Kansas City right now. All right. Uh, so that is the show. I think that's all of our comments. I'm really upset that I can't get the comment for 551. I don't know why I did that. Hold on. Let me bring up the actual episode and see if uh, the link. You guys want to vamp for a second? So see if, uh, see if I can figure this out real quick. You know, as... I was listening to the last episode. I thought he said no. 
I was like, that's rude. Yeah, I'm sorry. Trying to vamp here, Tricky. Trying to. I know. But, no, I say, can you vamp? But I thought you said no. I was like, wow, that's rude. Okay, sorry. <sighs> I'm sitting here trying to do what you ask, and you're just doing your tricky thing. I'm. You know what? I'll shut up. <laughs> that's the first. There was something on the last episode I was trying to get at. Oh, yes. No, we are not getting a PSVR 2. You say that now. I, the fired. problem is, you say that now. I never. We never got a PSVR 1. Yes, but we talk about different things and you're like, no, we're not going to get this. And then six months later, it's yes, we are going to get this. You were spot on about the Xbox Series X thing. But <laughs> no, we're not doing a PSVR 2. Matt has put his foot down. You know what? I'm not even gonna do that. Don't that's, even start that one. That, that's gonna that's gonna start something else. <laughs> is this why I'm on? Is this what you folks came to see? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just just for the record, I did not set this up. This is all Alex, <laughs> who is surprisingly quiet right now. By the way, he knows what he did. Look. I think that both Veronica and Matt have been fantastic guests, and having them on together, it's just good times. That's that's a recipe for success for me right there. Maybe disaster for Tricky, but that's if Tricky wants to poke the bear, so I'll leave that up to Tricky. Tricky doesn't have to incite as much vitriol as he gets. Doesn't have to do it, but we'll see what Pat No, I can just do that by saying the PlayStation is not the superior system. That's all I have to say. But why would you want to spread lies? I, I don't like spreading lies. That's why I'm saying that it's not the superior system. Uh, welcome to Gareth, who's in the chat. Uh, <laughs> Gareth, who's going to be taking over our show very shortly uh, for a good bit of time. And uh, Murdered Out 615, I see you in the chat. All right, so let's get into the show proper. Let's do our trophy count. Uh, v and Matt, I didn't update your trophies because, well... You guys don't earn trophies, so I'm sure they didn't change from the last time you were on the show. I actually told Matt at dinner tonight I should just log on to my profile on my PlayStation and see if anything pops up. <laughs> I am level 814 total trophies of 24,000 even, which is not true because I, 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 I played a bunch of games at work last night and they're on my PS4 that I didn't sync up still in my truck. Uh, plaque out is 634, which is not also not true. I have more than that. Um, yeah, Alex, how about you, sir? I am level 470 with a total trophy count of 8,421 and a platinum count of 137 in 136 games. And that is true because I always sink my trophies. I actually probably sink my trophies every time I earn one. You know, a little paranoid there. Uh... Murdered says yo, and Garrett says evening off to bed early, so I won't be here for the whole show. No, that's right. You can just be here for the next eighteen minutes that your audio is playing. Uh, don't, don't, don't be Gareth. Put a lot of work into that, especially I, the explanation. I, Gareth, I'm not giving. I'm not giving him grief. I'm just saying he's going to be taking over the show for a while. Thank you, Gareth, uh, for putting so much work into the trophy rarity contest and the weekly yes. updates because that that takes a lot of your time. Gareth, don't don't say don't take what I'm saying to be negative. I'm not meaning it negative at all. I'm I'm just impressed that you, three weeks in a row, have spent fifteen plus minutes 
uh, go into through so much detail. And apparently, uh, this week's audio has a uh, a good opening that I have not listened to yet. So we're gonna listen to that live. Well, and let's just say it's more than fifteen plus minutes because the audio, yes, is around I think it's eighteen minutes. But then there's also he has to update all the counts, and then he has to do the um, Facebook post, which takes a good amount of time. So. You know, we're talking a couple hours here at least. I, I, I got to admit, those Facebook posts keep me entertained. The detailed story he goes through with them. Uh, yield is level 487, total trophies of 9,117 with 163 Platinums. Sid is level 445 with total trophies of 5,673 with 157 Platinums. V... I am level 83 with a total trophy count of 269 with... oh. A zero platinum. And Matt. You're right. I really didn't change since uh, 555, <clears throat> but I'm still level 217, 1248 total trophies, and zero platinums. All right. Uh, and just for the record, a little inside joke. There was WD-40 applied to V's chair, correct? G- yes. Yes, we do have uh, WD-40. Okay, good, because... <laughs> Alex, I don't even want to tell you what I thought was happening when I was editing V's audio last week. Well, I I heard the squeaks on the uh, the audio, but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's just someone sitting in their computer chair. And, you know, people, you know, after two and a half hours or, you know, during a, such a long podcast session, people fidget, people lean back, people move like, you know, so I figured it was just movement in the chair. I didn't go straight to, you know, wherever your mind went tricky. Uh, uh, listen. It, I will not entertain any of your dirty thoughts. I, I'm I'm not going there. I, it's it was bad. Uh, Garrett my says my mind is always in the gutter, so it's fine. Uh, Garrett says, "Yeah, it's a fair amount of work." Uh, TBF, TBF. Why am I to be fair? TBF? To be fair, okay. Uh, but as long as everyone is enjoying, it, yes, we are enjoying it. And Tricky's Lat- not Lat- down says, with the lingo. Lat- Lacey says he hasn't touched a PlayStation platform since his Vita in 2015. I will still probably get a plat before he does. Oh, absolutely, because I don't play games for plats. Um, but Latin Legacy, I'm, I'm very disappointed because the way that I, at least I got to know you, is your love affair with Frawls. So, that's how I got to know you. Alright, so let's get into the rarity update. I gotta make sure I'm pressing the right button, so give me one second. I gotta find the software. You know, I'm so prepared this week. Um, okay, so we're going to go into the rarity update now. Uh, the audio is 18 minutes long, so as, as they say in Spaceballs, smoke them if you got them. Time to check my- oh, you son of a bitch. Now that's a collaboration. Welcome back to another edition of the Rarity Update, where we try to answer life's important questions, such as will Zach ever find his PS4 power cable, or Tricky to play a proper game in 2023, and how much extra spam can CJ get from the DualSense Edge? Um, I hope everyone is enjoying the competition and the updates. Um, Apologies for having to listen to my voice. It's not a voice that's really uh, suited for radio or podcast. It's glorious. Space. You have an yeah, awesome voice, guys. Glorious. But, um, 
yeah, without further ado, let's uh, let's get into the update. So, as per usual, we'll start at the bottom. Um, Twenty-four people in it. Everyone's had an update by now. Well, most people, um, apart from the person who's in last, which is the bearded nerd Zach, twenty-fourth place, yet to score a point, yet to earn a trophy in twenty twenty-three. So, uh, hopefully, Zach's all right. Um, someone might want to put the feelers out for him, just see if he's alive. Um, sure he is, but yeah, come on, Zach, let's pull your finger out of that. Um, 23rd place is Darth Knight. Um, requested entry uh, on about January the 3rd. Hasn't earned a trophy since January the 1st, so yeah, okay, moving on. So, but he's on three points, his legacy points have helped him out a bit. 22nd place is Kalai. She had a weekly increase of three points. Again, not through earning a trophy this week. Um, so from legacy trophies. And she is now on a total of five points. Tross0726 is up into 22nd place. 21st place, I should say. Um, on eight points. And he is looks like he's going for the platinum in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's on eight point seven point increase this week. Departed five seventy, another late entrant. I believe he's been on a holiday this week in Florida, so uh, he'll be looking to make moves at the table. Um, he's on nine points, a point ahead of Tross, doing a bit of tales from the Borderlands. I mean, the next one, 20th place, tricky mix, 15 points this, this week, 26 in total, but we still we still haven't got a rarer trophy than 88.31%. His rarest trophy this week was in a game that takes three minutes to plat, looking at the fastest achievers on PSN profiles, Kruger 2, who was a 95.1%, and that was his rarest trophy of the week um, interestingly he's uh, passed the 7,000 common trophies um, increase since we started this competition so um, about time he played a, a proper game I think next up in 19th place is Diego who is his first full week of, of doing it um, moved up uh, onto 30 points a 29 point increase Looks like mainly doing nobody sees the world. Then we've got the brain. Seventy six is next uh, on ten point increase from that on forty points. Uh, playing a game I'm not familiar with, Trail Makers. And above him is Stink Palm, only a couple of points ahead on 42, 42 points. Um, and his rarest trophy of this week was uh, Hidden Talent. In Among Us. Um, Home Against Duft is in 15th place. And he, again, it's all quite tight between those three. He's on 52 points. Um, and he's been playing, he's gone old school, a bit of an infamous on the PS3. Good game. Um, and then we have a little jump up to the next group of mid-table uh, mediocrity. Um Sadek is on 78 points in 
14th place um, and has been the rarest trophy this week was uh, Daily Routine in Warhammer Chaos Bane at 16.53%. He's one place below Resident Daryl, who's he had a slow week this week, only a six-point increase, but he's on eight, 80 points. Um, rarest trophy in Dead Space 2 this week. And the rivalry between him and MZ continues as MZ has overtaken him, um, thanks to his 21-point score this week, and is now on three points ahead of him on 83 points. Uh, doing a bit of Mafia 2, which I think he was doing, he has been doing uh, uh, since the contest started. Um, next up, there's another little gap up to up to Joe, and Joe is in 11th place, and this is where we start with the everyone has everyone from above this mark has got into triple figures, so they've they've broken the hundred point mark. So. Joe is in 11th place on 112 points, a weekly increase of 18. Played a game I'm not familiar with. Sounds a little bit dodgy, I think, because when I looked at the uh, the trophies, it was I couldn't even read it. It was all in Japanese. It's called Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter, and I've written God knows on the on the spreadsheet for those who are looking. That's not actually the name of the trophy. That is just because I'm not uh, literate when it comes to. Uh, Japanese uh, symbols so uh, yeah no idea what it means but that's his rarest um, next up in 10th is Yield he's still maintained in the top 10 at 130 points there isn't actually too much movement between the uh, places in the top 10 a couple, a couple of people have jumped up but he's his rarest was in still in the final station Brandon's story at 7.87% and he is only one point behind the commissioner, JT, who has gone on a bit of a spree um, with, trying, with securing ultra rares, mainly, largely thanks to uh, Team Sonic Racing. So he's had, a, he's had nine ultra rare increase since the competition started. And his rarest trophy of the week is also the rarest of, his, of, his, the, uh, of the year, which is 3.29%. Um, so the platinum in that, so well done to JT. There's a 15-point gap between JT and Corey, uh, the grounded gamer. So he's, uh, I remember last week he had a 111-point weekly increase. It was slightly, it was lower this week, fairly moderate, uh, at 39 points, but that puts him on to 150 points. And his rarest trophy was, again, a game that was um, rare last week for him, which was... Arcade Ageddon, and that was in for ne Nexi Wizard was for winning 25 PvP matches. Um, next up from that is Marky Fraser. So he's on 167 points, again a fairly uh, modest 23 point increase, but he did secure the platinum in MotoGP 22. Um, the King of Spam. Is next affectatious donk a little bit of an increase he is up to 182 points and a, a good weekly increase of 74 um again a game i'm not too familiar with is metal tales overkill at 15.09 percent was his rarest 
Um, and then we have a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a jumper because we actually then move into the two hundreds. Um, so CJ on one eight two, and then we go into fifth place, which is Alex on two hundred and fifty six points, uh, fifty nine point this week, and the rarest trophy is an Axiom Verge two, which was uh, one of PlayStation Plus's giveaways, monthly giveaways uh, for January. So. Alex's has dropped, but uh, I'll come on to that in a moment. Another person who's dropped is myself. Um, despite scoring 60 points this week, I'm on 259, so I've increased my lead over Alex by a single point. So with only three points separating us now, and uh, my rarest trophy was in Dangerous Golf at 3.48%, which is actually my rarest uh, of the year so far. Top three, I was displaced in the top three by Meath Goats a lot. So he had a 189-point weekly increase, which um, I know Dupes did a, had a really high in the 200s last week, but it's looking through the games that, uh, that Meath Goats a lot have played. A lot of them are older games, so they are do represent a truer value um, because the movement shouldn't be as great as what um, would be in dupes, which we'll come on to in a moment. So, yeah, he had a 189-point increase, which takes him into, into third place on 304 points uh, with his rarest trophy in Injustice 2. Dupes actually drops. So we've got a new leader. Dupes drops down to second place. His ultra-rares last week were at 56, which was a 16 um increase from his uh, his base count that's actually dropped by 10 um, obviously the as we as I sort of alluded to on the update last week is we've suspected that that would happen because of how new the game he was playing persona 4 golden was uh, and yeah that has happened so he's dropped 10 ultra rares um, albeit a lot of those have moved into very rares but um, because of that drop, it meant that he only had a 22-point uh, increase this week. But it's still on 310 points, so still excellent scoring from Dupes there. Which means the new leader is Redbeard Rick, who has had another 100-plus week uh, and is leading the way on 334 points, 117 points this week. Um, again, a game that he was playing last week. Is his rarest trophy, which is 60 seconds at 2.96%. So, moving on to the rarest trophies of the week, and we'll start in reverse order. So, in five is Nexu Wizard in Arcade Again, achieved by Corey, and that was for winning 25 PvP matches. In fourth, it was Unlucky Break 70 Mirrors in Dangerous Golf, achieved by myself. JT comes in at three for his platinum in Sonic Team Racing at 3.29%. Teamwork makes the dream work. At number two is Rick, who achieved the trophy Danger Zone in 60 seconds, which was a 2.96% rarity, and that was for break or use everything in your shelter. And the number one rarest trophy, again, we may see this subject to... Um, 
increasing in um, popularity, therefore reducing the, the rareness of it. But dupes with the truth in your hands in Persona 4 Golden at 2.40%, which defeat is an army, whoever is an army is. I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, well done on defeating them. Um, so what that changes make to the rarest trophies of the contest so far is there was a couple of dropouts. We had uh, the Platinum trophy that I had achieved on Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and that was, so I'll go through at number five. What So we now, to get into this, you need a, to get into the top five rarest trophies of the whole contest, you need to be rarer than 3.29%, which is the fifth trophy, which is JT's Sonic Team Racing Platinum. Rick is in at 2.96% for, for his one he achieved this week in 60 seconds, Danger Zone. Marky Fraser is still in there with his, I believe, in a higher power, Gems of War at 2.92. We have Dupes for his trophy this week in Persona 4 Golden at 2.40, which actually means Yield's Deep Rock Galactic trophy at 1.15% is now back up as the rarest trophy of the competition. So, uh, word into everybody there. Um, the last thing I'll do, I just want to, I thought I'd introduce this and maybe do this each week, is just a uh, give everybody who has achieved a legitimate pass. I'm not reading out spam crap, uh, the jumping cabbage or whatever. But, Why not? Yeah, so these are the... I've sort of, I have included, to be fair, I've included Tricky's and, and Daryl's, which are uh, contentious to say the least, but uh, yeah, we'll include them for this week and we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so we're into the following. So, Tricky, I'll do an order of the rarity. So, Tricky <laughs> achieved the Platinum Kruger 2 at 95.10%. Probably not even worth a mention, actually. I should be off in hindsight. Definitely so, worth mentioning. Daryl's achieved the Platinum <laughs> Um, Rattleiki game 89.41 I included that because he has been doing that over a, over a couple of weeks rather than spamming it in 90 seconds um, then you've got the next rarest is Mies Goats a lot who achieved the platinum in Trine 4 so well done to you on that one um, Yield achieved platinum this week at, in Bugsnacks which is a game I enjoyed. I have, I've got the platinum in that, and that's at thirty-eight point four five percent. Diego got the platinum in Nobody Saves the World at thirty-one point four five. So well into Diego. Um, then there's a bit of a drop. The next rarest is Mark Fraser. Finally got the platinum in MotoGP twenty-two, um, a game I'll, I'll be checking out at some point. It's at fourteen point two seven percent. Uh, Alex got the Platinum Biomutants, again, one of um, January's PS Plus games, so if you want to check that out, by all accounts, pretty, pretty good. Um, Rick got the Platinum in Streets of Rogue, um, which I think he's pledged Zach to be doing um, on the show, obviously not on the PlayStation, by the looks of it. So well done to Rick. Uh, two more to go, which is 
myself, but I don't need to congratulate myself. But I did get the platinum in golf with your friends. Good game. Anybody who hasn't tried it, it's, it's well worth playing, especially if you've got uh, kids or family you want to play or friends you want to play, just do it online. Well worth playing. Uh, really enjoyable. And finally, JT for Team Sonic Racing, uh, which I already mentioned at 3.29%. So that is your update. Um, again, fairly similar time. I hope you all are enjoying the competition. I'm, I'm certainly enjoying it. Um, I'm finding that with this combined with the Battle Beatdown, um, I'm thinking about games, I'm thinking about what I want to play. Um, not necessarily just going for trophies or the rarest trophies. I'm trying to mix it, mix it up and match and, and see what I want to play and where I can score points. But yeah, they seem, I'm enjoying seeing sort of the banter, the camaraderie. Um, and yeah, I, I certainly think it's going well. But um, yeah, keep doing your things, keep earning trophies, keep playing games, keep the banter upon Facebook um, and in Discord. But um, yeah, until next week, take care and thanks for tuning in. Cheers. All right, one, I want to address that V was just doing the Wednesday dance. No, I wasn't. I was doing, you said keep it football related, and I was going fly equals fly. Oh, God. Alex, take that out of the show. No, I'm not. <laughs> Wait, didn't they knock the Cowboys out of the playoffs? Aren't you happy about that? Yes, but I just because they did one thing doesn't mean I want them to keep achieving. Well, since Gareth wouldn't congratulate himself on his tr- platinum trophy, congratulations, Gaz, on a job well done. Woohoo! He says, man, I hate my voice. <laughs> it's better than mine. You hey, y'all going to listen to my voice all the time. Your your voice is you much better the, than mine. You have a voice of a podcast, so let me tell you. Yes, you do. Um. All right, so let's get into the show. Uh, actually, we haven't even gotten to what we're playing. Uh, let's do this quickly because we are getting long-winded already. Uh, v, what have you been playing? Fire Emblem Engage. I'm sorry. Matt, what about you? <laughs> been doing more MechWarrior 5, more Elden Ring. Just did a little Vampire Survivors while guys did his thing. Um, <laughs> and then, well, I needed to see whether or not I, I could die first or outlast the uh, 18 minutes. And I, I survived, actually. Um, and then finally, I've been putting significant time into the Dead Space remake. All right, Alex. So I got the Platinum Trophy in Biomutant, as Gareth said. Very fun game. And um, if you haven't been able to tell, my strategy for the rarity contest is to mine those PlayStation Plus games because we mentioned something while Daryl was on the show, but at least it seems like a lot of those games have rare, very rare and ultra rare trophies because I don't know if a um, simply just adding the game to your library counts as you purchasing it and then also affects the numbers so you figure everyone is adding these games to their library but maybe not playing the games so maybe that figures into the total of why a lot of the playstation plus games have you know rare trophies even though they're not particularly difficult trophies a lot of the times um like matt i've ended up playing some dead space as well Uh, obviously i was flying the dead space flag for a long long time i've got the platinum trophy in the first game way back in the the earlier 2000s i guess i was 2008 when that game came out but yep. um, 
I've only gotten to I've gotten through chapter two, so I'm on chapter three. As I said to Rick in a, on, a, on a thread on Facebook that he started, I think that I'm going to start. I'm going to take a few breaks in between my Dead Space plays because that game makes you still phenomenal. By the way, my my favorite uh, survival horror game of all time, but. That game makes you afraid to open doors, makes you afraid to go down hallways, makes you afraid to turn corners. Like, you're just always on edge. And, you know, throughout playing the game, like, you can kind of tell where the monsters are going to pop out. You know, you see trends. And also, you know, if you walk into a giant room, it's like, okay, there's going to be a scuffle. Or if you see a bunch of, like, explosive canisters around or stuff you can throw, it's like, okay, pretty good hint there's necromorphs on the way. But the game is still incredibly scary the sound design is fantastic ea motive i think are the ones that did this and they seem to so far have done a really good job uh, i as I, I said on facebook i got attacked in the bathroom so you uh you never really know when uh, it's gonna happen the only gripe that i have and i'm interested to see how matt feels about this is they um very early on in the game isaac clark takes his helmet off and you see his face and i don't think they did showed his face until the very end of the back in 2008, the very end of that first game, I think he always had the helmet on, or you, you know, he you could see the back of his head, but not the front of his face. And also, he has a voice, and I don't really know if I like him having a voice because, you know, he's an engineer and he fights with engineers' weapons, so he's not like you know some action movie hero. But you know, for what he did or what you're able to do in the game as Isaac Clark, he kind of feels like a badass. And the the voice they gave to him just like, no, no offense against nerds, but the voice that, that he has is very nerdy, and it's not like, it doesn't equate with someone who would survive the situation. So I am really actually wish that they had left him voiceless and not given him a voice. Um, Matt, how, how do you feel about Because he didn't have a voice in the first game, did he? No, he did not. He, he had the typical grunts and uhs and, oh no, I'm deads. But um, did you play two and three? I played two. I did not play three. So they used, they got back the same voice actor for who did Dead Space 2 and 3, Gunnar Wright. And his face, I can't remember because at the very beginning, I could have sworn you were able to spin the camera around and see his face. They did make it to match his voice actor. So that is a little jarring to say the least, but since his faces in his helmet for most of the game it doesn't bother me much um it's akin to the whole spider-man controversy when they changed it to meet uh to be younger as opposed to match the voice actor's face but uh i'm okay with him having the voice especially after playing two and three because the things he adds to the conversations um he's now taking more of an active role whereas in 2008 he was being told by everybody what to do now he'll chime in and say i'll go take care of that you guys do this so it it adds some value to it but you, you talk about not being safe anywhere uh you'll appreciate this alex i went to one of the store kiosks in the game and as i engaged it i heard a necromorph pop out and what happens is you get upgrades and as you go to a store, it'll tell you, hey, you've earned this, you've earned that, this is unlocked. Meanwhile, it's going through about three or four of those because of the items I had picked up and the necromorphs just getting closer and closer. I'm panicking at my keyboard trying to get out of the menus. <laughs> he got a good swipe on me and then I was able to kill him. But it's it's truly an interesting thing because what this game did is they now have 
it's called like interactive mode or intensity director where you have scripted necromorph moments but the ai can then fill in some blank areas between them with random spawns so be on the lookout well thanks for that heads up i i don't know if it's a mistake or not but I'm going through, because there is a trophy for beating the game with only a plasma cutter, so I figure I'm playing through normal on my first playthrough, so I'm trying to get through the game on, you know, normal using only the plasma cutter for the trophy, and I got into a situation where I ran out of plasma cutter ammo, and I'm like, oh crap, so I ended up trying to run to an elevator, try to, like, use the elevator to get off that floor, meanwhile, three necromorphs are following me, and I get stuck in the elevator, and I get to this, like, last stand moment where I'm just stuck in the elevator, and they're trying to funnel through the door. And I'm just wildly meleeing and swinging. I was like, I'm dead. I'm, I have no more health. I'm on my last like breath here. I'm dead. Managed to actually survive somehow. I, yeah, stuck in an elevator, just swinging away. My last stand was successful. But I mean, you know, this is, I'm, even though I've gotten the platinum trophy in the first game, like I love being able to go back and play this game. I don't want to rush through it. So I'm not spending as much time with Dead Space as I could. I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff in uh, Axiom Verge 2 as well. It's a game that Gareth said that I had been playing. And, uh, you know, this is a Metroidvania-style game that uh, we got for free for PlayStation Plus. I think it was this month, as it were. And uh, I'm enjoying the game, although I do feel like I'm frustrated quite a bit by cast- by the Metroidvania-style games. Because, look, I love uh, Symphony of the Night, and I've played start started super metroid but i got frustrated and didn't know where to go so i kind of quit on that but i think that these style of games really frustrated me because i kind of hate having to see something and then come back after getting another um power up it's like oh you can only progress to this point or grab this item you know once you have got the power up or the special thing that you need and you got to go over here to get it i know those games kind of kind of frustrate me so even though I do like Symphony of the Night, it's kind of got to be a special case rather than like a genre-wide thing. So, I mean, I started this game mainly because of the trophy rarity. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of very rares and ultra rares in this game. So, but I mean, I am enjoying the game. It's just kind of these these styles do hurt my brain because I got to remember, oh yeah, now I got to go here. I got to go from one side of the map to the other. Uh, kudos to the developers, though, because they did put in fast travel, which I do, and you can fast travel from anywhere to any of the save points. So, I do like that. I do appreciate it. But... Because I'm trying to get the Platinum Trophy in this game, I'm not spending quite as much time as I would in Dead Space. But, you know, I'm going to save for Dead Space. No need to, to blow through it. I'm going to have to play through it multiple times. So, But enjoying both games and uh, definitely a blessing to be able to go back and play Dead Space 3, you know, kind of for the first time in, um, in 2023. Alrighty. And I've been playing a bunch of spam. Uh, I was doing that work while I was watching the Royal Rumble. Uh, I've also... Played a little bit of God of War. Uh, I've played Division 2. And Matt, I'm going to hire you because I started playing Elden Ring. So I saw you started your broadcast. I wasn't awake for it because, you know, I don't know who is awake at the time that you stream. But <laughs> Me. fair enough. I, I went to watch the VOD. Did you even stream it? or Because all I saw was starting soon immediately into ending stream. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I I was streaming, but the XSplit, uh, which I've been having a little bit of issues with lately, never trans because I hit a button on my stream deck, and then after ten minutes after start my stream, it's supposed to go to the live stream or the live scene. It never switched over, but I didn't realize that until I was ending the stream. So, 
but anyway, I'm hiring you because I started playing that. And now, okay, I'm going to preface this. I know the game is hard as balls. But I'm getting absolutely murdered. Um, did you go through the tutorial area? I think so. Did you jump off a cliff and and before you exited the tower? Um, okay, uh, let, let's be clear here. I started this game probably a couple months ago. The answer is no. Got, and then when I re-downloaded it now, I guess it loaded my save and I was at something where you where you spawn when you die. So a grace. So I, I went away from the tree sentinel and I you know I was killing like animals. And then I looked over a cliff and I saw a bunch of guys standing in a circle. I said, you know what? Let me go try to take them out. I get close to that thing and a big fucking dragon comes down and wipes me out in one hit. Just breathes fire on me. So I need to hire an Elden Ring person that could at least get me to the point where I'm can be somewhat competitive. Okay. So on a time that you stream properly and not in the dead of night, I am fully willing to help guide you through some of these trials and tribulations. Um, when we go to do that, I would recommend starting over fresh so I can so I can make sure you get through the tutorial area. They teach you some basic stuff. Um, I know on my first playthrough, I was doing a lot of stealth killing to get by areas because you're not meant to take on what they throw at you first and foremost. Well, I am. And I'm fine with that. Like I, I knew like I was going to be putting my nuts in a vice, so to speak. I knew that, but I, I, even the tree sentinel, I jumped on top of the building and I was trying to hit him with a, a spell. And the spell was not hitting him because it kept hitting the building. So I got close enough and that mofo took one swing and like, yep, destroyed the tree sentinel. You are not meant to take on immediately. It's it's literally that it's that lesson that things will kill you immediately unless you um, have the strength. So if you do play. Before you engage me next, just go around them, find your next grace, find an area to farm. Well, that it's, that's what I was trying to do, but I have no idea where to go because there's no, like, waypoint. There's no, like, hey, go over here to this building. So when you leave the church, you you find this guy. His name is Vare. He, he wears a white mask. He's kind of like hoity-toity. And he actually tells you, um, if you look at the graces and you see a gold uh, wisp, go off in a direction. It's the best way I could describe it. It's just, yeah, it's basically I saw that. telling you, hey, go this direction. Kind of guide you in the way of the, the story beat. All right, 10-4. All right, that, then I'm going to do that. But I, I, I spent about 45 minutes and then I was like, all right, I'm done with the stream. And that's when I noticed it was it never switched over. So that stream was completely worthless because you just stood there saying, hey, we're going to start soon. But nah, we're not really starting because we're ending this. That's why I was confused. But I appreciate you going back and watching. All right, let's get into the show proper. Our first topic is coming from, oh, wait, surprise, surprise, IGN, and is written by Matt Kim. Uh, Minecraft Legends reveals its big online PvP mode. 
Developer Mojang went in depth on the upcoming PvP mode for the upcoming Minecraft Legends. The developers announced that the release date will be April 18th. Minecraft Legends is an action strategy spinoff of Mojang's popular open world crafting survival game. A core of the experience is the online PvP mode, which Mojang detailed during Xbox Developers Direct. Like the world of Minecraft itself, the PvP mode will uh, be procedurally generated, meaning the world will, where players face off each time will be random and different every time you play. Now, I don't know if you guys are any uh, Minecraft fans. I know my daughter is a big Minecraft fan, and I haven't told her about this game because she's going to want me to buy it. Uh, so this sounds like, uh, Mojang is moving off from the traditional Minecraft because this is now what the second spinoff. The other one was Minecraft. Was it? Was it Dungeons. Minecraft Dungeons, which my daughter is obsessed with. Uh, are you guys fans of Minecraft? We'll start with Alex. No, it's, it's not a game that's ever caught my eye or made me want to play. So, yeah. Okay, we'll go to V next. I played it when it originally came out. So when it was like the f- very first iteration of it. But as it got more and more involved in whatever it was, it I lost the feeling to do anything with it. It just wasn't the game that I was playing in the past. So this game, the PvP is just whatever. I've never been a PvP person anyways. So I'm usually more of the PvE. Uh, I can appreciate that because I'm the same way. Matt? I stopped playing Minecraft a long time ago. I played Minecraft proper. We even had our own server for a while. So I never got into dungeons. I never got the whole story beat because part of the magic to me in Minecraft was building your own story and adventuring. So I just these latest games haven't interested me in in so much. And, you know, as far as buying the game, you know, tricky, there's this thing called Game Pass you can get that, you know, I'm sure will give you access to Minecraft Legends. Yeah, I, I, I tried to explain this in the last podcast where this... Xbox Game Pass is a very nice thing, and they do have a PC-only version of it. Clearly. Moving on to our next topic. (laughs) Ubisoft apparently is trying to uh, unbury themselves in the hole that they dug for themselves, and are now coming out with a Far Cry multiplayer, which is currently in development at Ubisoft. This is coming from Eurogamer.net. What? Not IGN? Surprise. <gasps> wow. And written by Victoria Kennedy. I'm trying to get like Alex to respond, and he's just too quiet today. I mean, it's it's like the, uh, I think, what this is, the Simpsons game that EA published, developed and published. You know, they made all fun of all these tropes in video games, but then they completed the, you know, they did the tropes themselves. So when you pull from IGN so much and then make fun of it... <clears throat> <laughs> it it, it kind of doesn't have the same effect, Tricky. All right, Ubisoft is reportedly working on both Far Cry 7 and its next mainline release in the series and a standalone Far Cry multiplayer game. Uh, hold on a second. Sorry, before we get into the topic, I have to go back to the Twitch chat. 
Uh, apparently that legacy is threatening me. He says, if you don't get it from your daughter, Uncle Latin will. Yes, because that's a threat that somebody else is going to pay for a game for your daughter. And then he said, Ubisoft has dug themselves in such a big hole that even EA is looking down at them. Hey, EA, EA put out Dead Space, so they, they, they got a positive coming out recently. All right, back to the story. Uh, the news originated from Insider Game and Play Sysman, collaborated by Kotaku. Sources state Ubisoft head E. Guman referenced both the upcoming Far Cry releases during an internal company update last week. Additionally, the same sources revealed that Far Cry 7, known internally as Project Blackbird, is being made with Ubisoft's Snowdrop engine, which is the same engine being used for its Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, just as a general point of interest, the most recent entries in the Far Cry series was done with the Duna engine. Not that that matters to a lot of people, because a lot of people don't care about the engines. As for the multiplayer, no one internally asked Project Maverick. Insider Gaming reports it's initially meant to be a part of the mainline Far Cry game, but evolved to be its own standalone title that's early in development. Hmm, sounds like a lot like Skull and Bones off of Assassin's Creed 4. Um, we may never see this. Sources claim Maverick is an extraction-based shooter pitched as being based in the Alaskan wilderness. It allegedly will include mechanics such as permadeath, a backpack system, contracts, and more. And yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to play this because I don't play first-person shooters, but we'll start with UV. Any interest in a multiplayer Far Cry game? No, this is the game that I actually watch Matt play. Um, it's very much a, and very much like you, I don't play first person shooters. I think the only first person shooter that I actually really enjoyed for a very long time was the Fatal Frame series, uh, unless I'm forgetting one, but I am not very, it's never been a, a, a genre that I liked, but I do enjoy watching people play it and i think that's a great twitch thing but it's not something i'm going after all right alex i mean it's nice to know that they're still working on far cry i mean people like far cry so you know keep it around at the same time though i don't think far cry 7 or, or you know multiplayer far cry is really gonna dig them out of the hole that they're currently in it's not going to really excite people. I mean, yeah, people like Assassin's Creed, but announcing 10,000 Assassin's Creed is not going to get you out of where you are right now. Did I heard right. They, they're they like touting a backpack system, like a backpack where you can hold items. Like, I don't understand why a backpack system is such a massive feature of a game unless I I've read that and thought the same thing. But... Oh, good. Backpack technology. I had backpack technology back in the 90s when I was in elementary school. So Ubisoft, I don't know why you're so jacked about this. I mean, who knows? Maybe Far Cry multiplayer will be outstanding. But then again, you also have to convince the people who like Far Cry for the single player aspect, which has made the series you know so popular so far. You have to convince them that they want to play a multiplayer Far Cry. And again, you know, we're talking about Far Cry 7, Assassin's Creed 7000, you know, like... An Avatar game, which, yeah, sure, people like the movie. Do people really care about the game? I would say no. Most people don't care about the game as much as that, you know, yeah, you can people see the movies, but uh, the game, eh, probably not going to be, probably going to be licensed crap, going to be honest with you. So I still... And, and out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, you, you were mentioning one of the features, and the other feature they mentioned was permadeath, and that's something I've been dealing with for 42 years now. Yeah, we deal with permadeath in real life, and I, you know, I don't want permadeath in my video games. Like, The Last of Us added a permadeath wow. mode, and I've never gone back and played it, because even though I like The Last of Us, I don't care to play permadeath. I don't care about that level of challenge. So You just stomped all over my joke. What? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I joined you in it, Tricky. You said you've been dealing with permadeath for... Right, but I was I was trying to crack a joke, and you just, like, stopped right over it. So didn't even give time to breathe. All right, everybody, give credit to Tricky for that kind of, Kind of like, you know, you know you're not going to breathe if you have a permadeath. Matt, let's go to you, since you seem to be the Far Cry guy here. I have played every Far Cry to varying degrees and varying levels of completion. Um... I am not interested in a PvP Far Cry, and especially with this word of backpack being thrown around, because I hear backpack and I immediately think of PUBG and Fortnite and every other battle royale that limits your carrying capability for the purpose of creating some level of challenge. And it sounds like this PvP is just going to be a smaller battle royale with backpack and carry mechanics. And that's not why I play Far Cry. I play Far Cry to become the apex predator and take out everything between me and my goal. And PvP just kind of seems the antithesis of that. And just for the record, how do you feel about Parva Death? I I don't play any game in permadeath mode. I think I did a hardcore run of Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 once, and then I immediately said, nope, not for me. All right. Well, let's move on to a topic that is not for anybody. Uh, are you guys aware of the game called The Day Before? Only because of the controversy that came out this week. Okay. Sounds about right. That's what, like, yeah. Okay, so I saw a trailer on this game. Uh, it had to be 2001. Uh, not 2001, 21, sorry. It had to be back in 21. I saw this and I was immediately bummed because I found out it was only going to PC. It wasn't coming to consoles. And then later I find out that it was coming to consoles, but it's going to come out after the PC release. And that was the last I heard of it. And then... Everybody's calling, you know, calling this game out, saying it's a fake game. Kind of like we had the story with the, what was it, Abandoned? Mm-hmm. Um, so this article is coming from Eurogamer.net. Um, they, the headline is, The day before devs insist a zombie MMO is not a scam following its latest delay. Uh, this article is written by Matt Wales. Developer Fantastic has rebuffed suggestions from increasingly vocal distractors that the day before it's now twice delayed and seldom, and seldom seen open world zombie game MMO is a scam, saying when the game comes out, people will finally see the truth. The day before was revealed back in 2021 with a striking trailer that helped propel it to the top of Steve's most wish list games chart. Since then, though, its journey to release has been less than smooth. Its initial June 2022 release date was delayed by a year when Fantastic suddenly announced it was switching development to the Unreal 
uh, Unreal Engine 5 less than a month before its planned arrival. Then earlier this week, with just two months to go before its revised launch date, developer pulled the game's Steam listing and announced another delay, pushing back its release a further nine months, this time blaming a trademark dispute. Throughout all of this, very little has been actually seen of the day before. Beyond its initial announcement trailer, a 13-minute gameplay video revealed several months later, and a 59 second suggested uh, 59 additional seconds of gameplay at the start of this year, all of which has led to a rise in suggestions around the internet that the game may not be in development at all. Fantastic is now pushed back against those suggestions, telling IGN, "Time will put everything in its place, and when the game's out, people will finally see the truth." Quote, we understand that some players not seeing the whole picture might have doubts about the game. Our whole focus has been on the product itself. We've been creating the game for four years. All of these years have been full of sweat and blood to make this game and many of our members of our team. It's unpleasant to hear such accusations. End quote. The studio also questioned how the day before could even be considered a scam. Noting, quote, we didn't take a penny from people. No crowdfunding, no pre-orders, no donations. The game is fully funded by Mytona, one of the largest mobile publishers in the world, who checked the game's build at every milestone as per our contract, end quote. Uh, now, I, I'm i going to stop reading the article there. Go give it a click and a, a, a read. Um, I'm going to, uh, because I mentioned it earlier in the uh, the article, they pushed it back this time, blaming it on a trademark dispute. The problem is, is that when they released the, the game, or when they released the trailer, they did not have the name trademarked. And now somebody has now trademarked the name and is now suing them, saying that they're not allowed to use the name. They blamed this, they blamed that lawsuit as the reason why they have to delay it again instead of just changing the name. Uh, but if you go on the their website the day before, uh, everything is still labeled the day before. And then they also and then a story came out that I couldn't find a link for saying that this delay was actually planned before they found out about the trademark dispute. So we'll go to V first. Um, I know you don't know much about the game, but I want to I, I want to talk about delays because this is the second time the game's got gotten delayed. Both times within two months of its initial release date, or not initial release date, but two day, two months of its release date, and we're finding out more and more. Does this sound like it? We're being scammed, or does this sound like this is just internal problems that they're having bad time communicating? It's. I'm gonna go with a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B on this. A, they're correct in saying like, how could we have scammed someone when? It wasn't a Kickstarter game. It wasn't a crowdfunded game. There's no donations. There's no nothing like that. It's not a scam in the sense that I think people are trying to push it. But at the same time, there has to be a company hierarchy that's not happening. And we had this discussion last week when it came to Ubisoft, where there is something going on with these companies that 
the communication between departments or a communication between anything are causing these so-called delays. Like, not having a game trademarked prior to showing it is a big, like, who dropped the ball on that? Somebody's definitely getting fired. Right. That's a that's the first right there. Two, if you did not trademark the game at the time of the release and you went, oh, crap, why didn't you do it directly after releasing the game or releasing the trailer? So there's your communications there. But it's also a push blame, I think, where, okay, we're in this lawsuit, we're not going to change the name, because that's what we did, and that's what people know this game as. It's, you can always name it, blah, 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 zombie, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can put the name in the game, but it still be a different named game. So I think that the lawsuit is a cover-up for the delay. But when it comes to delays in general, if it is a valid reason for a delay, such as a code break or anything like that, you have, I would rather you delay the game by like five to six months, fix the issue and give me a complete game, than put something out like a cyberpunk, which I watched Matt play And it was just, you know, it was not ready to be released. It was half of these games come out and they're just like, it's now in beta. And you're making people people pay full price for an unfinished game. All right. Just just to play a counterpoint with you. We had that situation with both Destinies where the game came out and it was somewhat broken. And now both Destinies are revered as one of the best games on the market. Uh, What what happened with uh, Cyberpunk, I mean, I don't want to speak for Alex, but excuse me, but Alex has said that stopped him from ever wanting to buy a CD Projekt Red game again. And it becomes a very... Like, I fear this Harry Potter game coming out, which we'll discuss later. But what's going to happen? Like, like, am I going to get a game that's so broken that I'm never going to want to touch it? Or am I going to go into a game where I can handle the brokenness of the game and continue on playing it when the patches come through? And I think that's where, I hate saying it, but there's a level of brokenness that people are willing to handle. You know? Alright. What is what is the will- willingness of this game that something's happened, but we have so little information on this game... Like what are we like? What else are we supposed to do? Like we don't know why it's being delayed, other than it's saying it's a a lawsuit. All like right. what else can you tell us, Alex? Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to think the worst of people, even though I a lot of times do. So I don't want to believe that they're trying to screw people, uh, because again, it's not crowdfunded. No one's had to put any money into it yet, and mm. it's they're just gonna at some point ask for you to pay for the game. So depending on what you know comes out, I guess we'll know then. But it just seems like a lapse in. I mean, I don't know how many games this, this company's put out, but if this is their first game, which it kind of seems like, you know. The whole not trademarking thing seems like a, you know, a pretty big misstep. And I don't think anyone mistakenly or like just intentionally doesn't trademark something so that they can then be like, oh, no lawsuit. We got to, you know, using it as an excuse to delay the game. You know, I don't think anyone just does that. So it just seems like a lapse in judgment. You know, someone just didn't think about that. You know, again, smaller game, a lesser known game, really mostly unknown, but you know, sometimes stuff like this comes in and, and, you know, people come in and swipe URLs and, and homepages and, you know, so people or even, you know, Twitter accounts like usernames, people swipe those up. So, you you know, somebody who legitimately is that person can't use it or has to, you know, be like, oh, well, I'll pay you for the name or something like that. So that stuff can happen. You know, potentially a new company um, just seems like honestly, just kind of not really a lot of veteran experience when it comes to video game making. So, I, I see it more, or I hope it's more of a lapse of judgment, really, than just some kind of, like, villainous intent. Because it doesn't seem like that. It seems like their actions don't really show, like, they, they don't make sense as as people who would, you know, try to, you know, get uh, the upper hand on people in a nefarious way. Uh, I, and, Matt, before I ask you for your comments, uh, just a question. Is a wishlist not like a pre-order? Because I thought that's what it was. No, a wish list is just you put it on a wish list and it, like Steam will tell you if the game finally drops for sale or if it drops in price. Just wishlisting an item is just putting it on a list to make it easy for you to remind yourself or Steam to remind you that the game exists in some way, shape or form. I have okay. multiple games on my wish list that just say coming soon. All right. I, I, I for some reason, I was I, I was I'm obviously I'm not you know, that familiar with seeing, but I thought when you wishlist it is you basically like pre-ordering it. No, but I will tell you that a lot of devs depend on, especially indie devs will depend on steam's wishlisting to gauge interest. Um, and I can go into pre-orders in a little bit when you're ready, but wishlisting is kind of a, a nice tool for devs to have when it comes to, knowing gauging interest expectations yeah okay all right so let's get back to on topic here do you think this is a scam or you think this is the product of bad communication from the dev to us so interestingly enough i've i was browsing the subreddit while while everybody else was adding their comments there's two aspects here scam of the customers or scamming your investors and equipment contributors because it is absolutely not a scam to customers, uh, except maybe those who put down hard-earned money as a pre-order. And I've been saying for years, stop pre-ordering stuff. Uh, even I go pre-order something every once in a while, but I know the risk associated with that. So stop pre-ordering something, especially in a day and age of digital delivery, or you can go down to Walmart or Target or somewhere and grab a game day one. Uh, and if you miss out, have some patience, please. But as far as a scam to investors, 
I looked at their web page, which is about the saddest thing I've seen short of uh, making my own web page using Squarespace because I'm <clears throat> fairly certain that's what they use to develop it. It is a blank page. The only two games they have issued to their credit that they list on their website is Prop Night, which is a game on Steam. It's actually pretty decently popular. And then the day before. So the question is, from some comments I read on Reddit, allegedly they may have had some other games in development or released and just gave up on them. So they don't have the greatest track record. I guess my thing is, if you showed tech demos to people who you wanted to invest in your company, and said, this is the game we're coming out with, this is the game we're developing, and you have investors contributing money, contributing equipment, contributing tech, and you're failing to put out a finalized product, that's an issue. But that's an issue between them and the investors and the people who put the money into it. As far as the customers go, nothing was promised. Nothing was... They're not saying, we're not releasing this. Oh, and by the way, you're not getting your money back. That would be a legal problem, the likes which I don't think Fantastic would survive. So really the question is, who did they get to invest in their in their game and what sort of things are they beholden to as far as a release schedule? It's, it's not a very well-known developer. They seem to be maybe biting off more than they could chew, but since the game was pretty much ready... I'm sorry. Since the game was supposed to be released, I think it was March... And they haven't shown a lot of gameplay and they haven't shown a lot of trailers. They've just shown some very basic stuff. That tells me they were not ready. They thought they were ready with what they could have. But I think this is pretty much proving to everybody that this developer is not to be trusted in the long run. And it's going to hurt them and the game in in the, uh, in the long run. So I don't think it's a scam to customers, but I think their investors have something to say. I see what's a little discouraging to me is, as I said, as I said earlier, that it was originally supposed to come out in June of 22. And then it was delayed by a year when they decided to switch development to a new engine less than a month before its release date. Like you had to have known The engine you work on, the game had to have been done at some point because we talk about this on the show all the time. Games go gold a month before it hits the shelves. And that's basically when the developer said, okay, we're done developing on this. We're going to put it on a disc. We're going to send it to the stores. We're still going to work behind the day, behind the scenes. We're going to put out a day one patch to fix all the problems. You delay a game by a year because a month before your release date, you decide, oh, well, we don't want to use this engine no more. We're going to use a new engine. That sounds so bogus to me. Well, I mean, and here's the big question. I mean, we know, we've seen through some of Ubisoft's products how hard it can be to get out a game. Is this not the same thing like, you know, talking to investors? I mean, Ubisoft's a much bigger company, but is the same situation with Skull and Bones, the people who have invested in that? And I, I guess maybe that's just Ubisoft. But, you know, if it is just Ubisoft, that's not the issue. But 
if this other game had any other investors, you know, being Skull and Bones, is Ubisoft not in, you know, some kind of dereliction of duty when it comes to getting that game out, given how long it's been in development? I mean, that's a fair point, too. Uh, Matt, you sound like you were about to say something. Yeah, if if what you're saying is accurate, Tricky, it sounds like with each delay, they go, we need an excuse. And yeah. developing a game from a, on a new engine, it, that just, like a month before release. So it's a little different in the digital-only world. Because games don't necessarily go gold a month before where they have to send out a disc to start manufacturing releases. Since this is a digital-only game. Can, 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 I, can I pause you for one second? Yep. And I could be wrong about this, okay? And I, I just want it just popped in my head before I forget. And I just want before you get too deep. We had a conversation with Jeff Hanna talking about how games have to be certified. My understanding is that where where we use the phrase gone gold, wouldn't the PC game still have to be certified uh, like the time before its release date? I mean, not not the same thing as game going gold, but yeah. it, it, there has to be a final build before the release. Yeah, so that's speaking to the certification process for the digital delivery platform. And in this case, I'm assuming Steam. I don't know if it's going out on Epic or any other web page but it does have to have you do have to have a final build it does have to go out for certification and that's mainly for quality control that steam has to say okay we can upload this it'll work it'll do this whereas the interesting thing about physical releases you have to do that before going gold so digital you may be getting certified shortly before your actual release but obviously any and that's where you can get like last minute um delays if something is has an issue with certification especially as it relates to esrb and all that fun process but where what gets me about this whole thing is each time they've had an excuse First, it was an engine rebuild, and then now it's a lawsuit. But now there's things out saying, well, the, it was planned before the lawsuit, which just poor timing. I just don't think you could trust this developer at any of its word. And its promises, I think, are going to be falling very short of what they're saying this game is going to be. I think you're going to have a game released at some point. I just think it's going to be DOA. Yeah, they, they have to get the game out at some point because then what are they going to do? You know, the investor, that they're not going to recoup their money. And then also, how is the studio going to make any money if they don't actually get the game out? So, Well, I mean, I brought up Abandoned before. I mean, one of the controversies with Abandoned is that that developer, which is escaping my brain, uh, the name of the developer, but they've gone like two or three, maybe even four games where they hyped up the game. They got so much people invested into it. And then all of a sudden the game's dead. And now they're on to another one. Blue box studios. I think it's called. Anyway, um, this is starting to sound a little bit like that. It's like get, getting all the hype up, blah, 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 getting the money investors. And then if they could justify it to their investors and say, listen, we tried, but the game's just not going to work out. We have to do something else. Yeah. I'm sure there's some kind of legal, ramifications for that but 
I, I don't know if they're technically like breaking the law or anything. It, it, there's no real law breaking when it comes into something like that. But if you think about, especially working at GameStop for as long as I did, you have. I'm sorry, people, did you worked at GameStop. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked at GameStop. I worked at GameStop my life too. So <laughs> right, I, I did it twice for some stupid reason. <laughs> it was so nice. You took it twice. I took it twice. Um, you get these, it's this idea of the marketing of, we need to push this game and we need to push it to, because the investors put this amount of money in to do this amount of stuff and you need to get this many of pre-orders. And that's how it was. And I'm trying to remember the name of the game. It's bullet something. Or I could, for some reason, that was like one of the ones that I remembered that we were hyping up so bad and it was just a huge flop. And it, it nothing other than that the game was just not a good game. Bulletstorm? Right? Maybe a Bulletstorm. And it, but when it comes to the coding, it's just like, all right, do we know what the original uh platform was that they were using what was the original engine that they were using was it going to be obsolete that they couldn't fix this but like matt said you're not giving details like full-on details on what are causing these delays oh this is an engine issue ah we're doing this okay well why are you switching engines one month before you're supposed to put this game out Nobody has any details on it. All right, well, ah, we're in a lawsuit now because someone in our department didn't do this. Well, you're idiots. Like, so I don't think that this is a game developer issue. I honestly think that this is an operations management communication issue through and through. All right. Any final comments before we move on? I guess the only question I would have is that what does the studio stand to gain from withholding the game other than putting out a better quality game by delaying it? I mean, the delays don't really raise any eyebrows, but the excuses and the different excuses, yeah, I can see why people look at that like, okay, this is, there may be something up here, but again, the studio doesn't gain anything if the game doesn't come out, so it doesn't behoove them to just they gain nothing from, you know, just constantly like trying underhand stuff and to make the not the game not come out. They have to have the game come out, so. All right, we're going to move on. Uh next story is going to cover Naughty Dog and the Uncharted series. Both these articles are laid together. They're going to come uh both come from IGN. First one is Naughty Dog is under no pressure to make another Uncharted Quote, we're moving on. This is written by George Yang. Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann said that the studio has officially moved on from Uncharted and is now focusing on the next chapter of The Last of Us through its multiplayer game. 
In an interview with BuzzFeed, Druckmann explained that Sony doesn't pressure Naughty Dog into creating a sequel just because a game is successful and that the publisher has been very supportive in letting the studio follow its own passions. Quote, that's not the case. For us, Uncharted was insanely successful. Uncharted 4 was one of our best-selling games. We were able to put our final brushstroke on that story and say that we're done. We're moving on. End quote. Druckmann didn't elaborate on whether he referred to he was referring to Nathan Drake's story, which ended with Uncharted 4, or the franchise as a whole in its last release, 2022's Legacy of Thieves Collection, with the most mainline entries being 2016's Uncharted 4, Uncharted 4 and the 2017 long, side story Lost Legacy. Um, so we're going to go stop there with that article right there, and then I'm going to switch over to the article for... Uh, written by Matt Kim, um, saying that if Naughty Dog is un- is done with the Uncharted series, they ended it as as perfect as they could have. After decades of exploring, Nathan Drake settles down with the love of his life and together with their daughter can enjoy peace and retirement. Only, why does it feel like there's a missed opportunity still? In the first Uncharted game, Nathan Drake was, char- was the charismatic treasure hunter with a joke on his tongue and a song in his heart. Drake's fortune was per- was a perfect vehicle to showcase PlayStation 3's graphical prowess, rendering incredibly detailed jungles and providing acceptable shooting and seamless parkour. However, somewhere along the way, uh, along the way of gorgeous vistas and beautiful locales, got sucked into the black hole of Nathan Drake's various midlife crisis. Uh, okay, so that's not the where I wanted to go. Um, basically, the article is saying that there's so much more that could be done with Uncharted. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you because I know that uh, you are a big Uncharted fan where I don't think V and Matt play Sony games, so maybe they can't weigh in here. You know, I, I do. It's a joke, It's a joke, of course, because I saw both of their faces give me like the dirty eye. Get <laughs> so, I mean, Uncharted Drake's Fortune was one of the big surprises on the PS3 in the early days because sure you had Resistance, uh, Motorstorm was a nice little surprise, Warhawk was a surprise. You had Ratchet and Clank Tools of Destruction, but within the first year, you also had disappointments like Lair and Heavenly Sword. And I don't want to really lump Heavenly Sword in with Lair as a disappointment. I just think that the game wasn't what people wanted it to be. A little short, you know, lots of uh, lacked variation in the number of enemies, uh, but still a good game compared to something like Lair. But you had Un- Uncharted, which people didn't see coming. It was the brand new game from Naughty Dog. And really, even though Naughty Dog had done Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Daxter... Now, this is something very, you know, far out of their wheelhouse. They had never made a game like Uncharted before, even if people saw it as like Tomb Raider cross Indiana Jones. People love that game series. You know, the storytelling, you know, that's where we first saw all the storytelling from Naughty Dog and the characters and how they were able to build lovable characters that you could attach to. It wasn't in The Last of Us. It was in Uncharted. Two and three were great games. And you know, even though it seemed like Uncharted 3 had the perfect ending for the series, Uncharted 4, I think, was a good place to stop as well. It had a good ending, nice ring composition. It set, you know, the Drake family off in, you know, a very positive position. And, you know, it gets a happy ending. Kind of everybody gets out alive, even though it looked like for a while there, Victor Sullivan was going to pass away. But, uh, but yeah, I honestly, if they, they could do more with Uncharted, but quite frankly, as much as I do, I mean, I played Lost Legacy with Nadine and Chloe, and it was a good game. But, do I want, do I prefer a game with Nathan Drake and Sully and Elena? Well, yeah. I mean, if the next, if the next Uncharted isn't going to have 
Elena and Nathan and Drake and Sully, which, I mean, you had Sam Drake in Lost Legacy, so it shows you can do it without them, but I don't know, it just kind of feels like with how things left off in Uncharted 4, it's kind of like, let the series rest. You know, unless you do another adventure with Nadine and Chloe, you know, you really have no, introduced no other characters. You've got to st- kind of start from scratch again. So to me, it's kind of almost the final, re- like the final resting place for Uncharted. It was Uncharted 4. Yeah, they proved they can make a game without Drake, but going forward, can you do that? Unless you just do, you know, Nadine and Chloe Part 2. So I honestly, you know, the fact that Naughty Dog has moved off of it, this is what PlayStation Studios do. They make new IPs and then those IPs, depending on how successful they are, are handed off to other people, you know, that, you know, Sony trusts to take care of them. The one exception has kind of been Ratchet and Clank, which has stayed in Insomniac's grasp the entire time. And I, at this point, don't know if it will ever leave Insomniac's grasp. I don't know if that's a Sony call or an Insomniac call where Insomniac says no one else is touching this but us. But uh, usually studios create something and then after they have told the stories they want to tell, they pass it off to someone else if the series is going to continue. So it just kind of seems logical that at some point Naughty Dog will pass the torch if, again, there isn't another Uncharted game coming out. But they, they're not going to make Uncharted games forever. They're going to move on to something new. All right, Matt, out of you and V, you gave me the dirtiest look, so I'm going to give you the floor now. <laughs> With good cause, because I love the Uncharted series. And kind of to the point of what Alex was saying is, I don't think we need another Uncharted involving Drake. If Sony were to force Naughty Dog to make a new Uncharted, I think it would be a subpar game that would not live up to the legacy of what this series has has held itself to. I think the only way to do it would be to have Drake take the part of Sully, where he's now the mentor for somebody brand new. But I think that would just be a little too weird, convenient-wise, that Drake finds a new thief that has some sort of hidden legacy that they must hunt down. It's just, that's a little too on the nose. I I don't think that would do any good storytelling from the fact that we've already seen all of this before. I think if you were to move forward with a new Uncharted game, it would have to be a completely new setting, completely new protagonist, completely new side protagonist. You'd have to develop something completely unseen before don't do the mentor mentee thing do something else but i am very happy with where they left the drake series i don't think we need anything else from the nadine chloe series that from what i understand lost Le- i didn't play lost legacy but from what i understand it was a pretty decent spinoff i just i i don't feel forcing naughty dog's hand would produce a high quality product because we know anytime a company goes hey let's um Let's make something because we need to make more money. It just creates a subpar product that people end up hating, and you don't want to leave the Uncharted series leaving a sour taste in people's mouths. All right, before we go to V, because we're arguing in the Twitch chat right now, uh, I I just want to make the point that I've always been against uh, a developer, or excuse me, a publisher, forcing a dev to make a game. I mean, obviously that broils... Uh, well, that's a little personal to me because of how, how Konami was forcing Kojima to make the Metal Gear games. And we kind of feel like, you know, 
those games couldn't have been as good as they could have been if he was wanted to make it rather than being forced to make it. And then we, you know, obviously never got the third chapter to the fifth game. V, the floor is yours. This is another one of the games where I watched Matt play. And I have to agree with him and Alex where the storyline... Oh, hi, kitty. Mm. Uh, <laughs> For the listeners, uh, that was called an ADD moment. <laughs> it was very much an ADD moment. Um, I honestly do feel like the Nathan Drake story is gone. If they're going to... Or done. If they're going to do anything... Because um, I, re- I was reading through the IGN articles... And they were talking about how you have all of these gorgeous places that you could go through, but you couldn't in that Nadine Chloe aspect. And I'm like, all right, well, couldn't you make another IP that was conjoined with Uncharted, but not be Uncharted? You know, and that's the storytelling in me of going, well, why not make it into a different IP? Well, not to cut you off there, but Mm -hmm. when it when it comes to Lost Legacy, and and I know this is going to hit a trigger button with uh, Matt in a second. No, no. Um, When it comes to Lost Legacy... Me personally, I don't feel like that was an Uncharted game. Because to me, Uncharted is associated with Nathan Drake. I do believe you can make compelling games with Chloe and Nadine as the main protagonist. But I don't think you could move on using the Uncharted name with that series. If you're done with Uncharted, you're done with Nathan Drake, then... Uncharted's done. Move on. Make Nadine and Chloe your protagonist. And that's where you go. Whether that's a... I don't know. I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's a new IP. But that's where I would go. Okay. Uh, v, stepping away for a second. Alex or Matt, do you have any comments about what I was saying? I I see what you're saying, and I think that actually would. So to that point, if it's a new IP, then it absolutely has nothing to do with the Uncharted series. I think you can make another compelling game in the style of what you've done with Uncharted and just do something else. Um, But but at that point, would you have the critics? Now, we know the Internet, you know, the Internet is what the Internet is. But at that point, would you just be hearing, oh, this is Uncharted clone or this is Uncharted 1.5 or what, however they want to phrase it, if you make a game with those characters and don't call it Uncharted, you're going to hear the critics, and I say critics with a you know quotation quotation marks, just saying it's an Uncharted clone, kind of like what we got when we when Uncharted came out. We just a lot of people said it was a Tomb Raider clone. Yeah, no, you're you're going to hear that argument regardless of whatever they make next if it's the same style. But what you can do is you can make like an anthology type game just like what the dark pictures is doing but their their advantage is they can pump those games out in short order because they're developing multiples at the same time in a sequential manner 
a game like Uncharted or a game that has the mechanics of Uncharted does take a decent development time. So you're not going to be able to pump them out as quickly to make an anthology. But I still think you can make a game called Uncharted and have it be involving somebody else and whatever legacy that they want. They hit the nail on the head. It was like the perfect storm of the fact that the guy was Nathan Drake and therefore he was going off of um, Drake's legacy that there was some connection there. They've got a lot of talented people. I mean, and Wig is no longer there, but I'm sure they can come up with some other type of uh, connection to a historical past with some sort of protagonist. It's a wide history out there that they could pull from. But I just don't think the need is there. They need to focus on whatever they're doing with The Last of Us and then move on with the next new IP. That's what they've been successful with. They've been able to develop a new IP once every couple decades to the point where it doesn't feel stale. It doesn't feel like they're rehashing old ground with the exception of being within that series. So Last of Us 1, Last of Us 2, Uncharted 1, 2, um, Resistance. Like They have their series, be done with that series, move on to the next one, keep fresh ideas flowing because that's what's going to push the industry along. All right, Alex? Yeah, I mean, and, and a game with Chloe and Nadine, it's not called Uncharted since they've already headlined their own Uncharted game, feels weird. So any of the characters you use from that series, you're going to have to call it Uncharted or, you know, an Uncharted adventure, colon, you know, a subtitle or something like that. So I say just, you know, if there is a compelling reason to put out another Uncharted game, by all means, I just don't think right now that there is one. You know, there's so much focus on The Last of Us and where that can go. And, you know, like the, the TV series, they're obviously focused on that. They're focused on the multiplayer game. But you've got other franchises like Sly Cooper where anyone who played Sly Cooper Thieves in Time was left in limbo with that ending. That'd be another game that they should pick up to finish telling the story. It doesn't always happen. So unless there you know, is a reason for them to go back to Uncharted, I say just leave it dormant for a while. And then maybe in, you know six, seven years, you come out on E3 and you you know, you know talk about Uncharted again and people are hyped for it because they haven't had it for a while. But I think this is the perfect resting spot to at least allow it to lay dormant so, you know, you maybe you can pull it out later when it makes more sense instead of, you know, putting out another Uncharted game just for the sake of making money. And, I mean, you brought up the TV show. Uh, me and Daryl are going to sit down. We're going to do some episodes uh, waiting in all, all three episodes. But I have to say this show has been fucking phenomenal so far. Absolutely great. All right. Speaking of The Last of Us, uh, the other part of the first article, when asked about the potential Last of Us Part 3, Druckmann noted it's up to Naughty Dog itself to decide if it wants to expand the stories of Ellie and company, but it's currently focused on creating a brand new story for the multiplayer game. Quote, we've been pretty open that the next Last of Us game is going to be this multiplayer experience where you'll be able to enter the world of The Last of Us with your friend and get to experience the tension and brutality of that world and a brand new story, and a cast of characters that live in another city that we haven't seen yet in The Last of Us. This is going to be another chapter in the universe of The Last of Us. End quote. As for a dedicated single-player Part 3, however, Druckmann continued, quote, Our process is the same thing we did with Part 2, which is if we can come up with a compelling story that has this universal message and statement about love, 
just like the first and second game did, then we will tell that story. If we can't come up with something, then we have a very strong ending with part two. That will be our end, end quote. Now, Alice, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but I think the end of part two was a major fucking cliffhanger and they have to continue. Yeah, I mean, the ending to two, I I think that, you know, they've announced that the second season of the TV show, because they've already renewed it, the second se- uh, season of the TV show will cover The Last of Us Part Two. And honestly, after seeing that, you know, playing through the game, I don't know if I want to watch that season. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. So the ending to part two leaves a very bad taste in your mouth. And again, it's their it's their franchise. It's their story. You know, take the story beats that you want to take, make the turns you want to make. But in the end, just how they left you off, it's like there's got to be more. There has to be something more. So while Sony can't be, you know, um, may not be pushing them to make a part three or might not force them to make three. You know, a, a lot of Sony studios, they are high caliber, you know, uh, studios. They put out a lot of great games and they're some of the best game creators in the industry. And I, you know, it, it makes sense why they would be able to choose their own projects and, and lead their own path without too much oversight from Sony. But I'm with you in that they got to put out a third one to at least direct that story. It does like Uncharted. They, they put two caps on that story. They put on three and they put on four. Don't tell me that you're going to leave Last of Us Part 2 with no cap, essentially, because whether or not Druckmann thinks that's a proper place to end, I mean, it's their story. So, I mean, what do I know? But to me, as the person who played the game, played both games, that's not an adequate end to the Last of Us story. It's a very sour ending. And like you said, there's just a lot of there's just too much slack that they could pick up by making a third game. All right. Uh. Matt or V, or welcome back, V. Um, I don't know if you guys played part two. I think one, I think Matt, you said you played part one. I don't know if you ever said you played part two. Um, so I'll start with Matt. So, Matt, I'll ask you one. Um, do you feel like a third game is necessary? Again, no spoils. The man, I feel weird because I'm actually dissenting with you both on the way I feel about Last of Us Part Two. Uh, I loved it. I left Last of Us feeling sad and depressed. (laughs) And I remember, but I felt complete. Really? Yeah, because I I don't think they were aiming for some sort of happy-go-lucky ending. Like, literally the last word of Last of Us Part 1 is kind of like how I felt. It was just, okay. Um, Last of Us Part 2, I felt sad and depressed. But I didn't feel complete. I think I agree with you, Tricky, that it ends on something of a cliffhanger. But I think more without getting into spoilers is very difficult to say. I felt like I understood what that ending was going for. And for me, I don't necessarily need a 
third Last of Us, I would welcome one, but I'm not necessarily fiending and saying, you guys have to make this, otherwise I I don't feel the closure I need as a player. Um, I... Damn, this is really difficult without going into spoilers. I, I know. Because I'm, 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 a couple times I wanted to respond to you, you go, what? But, yeah, uh, I know. No, because I remember a number of years ago after release, you wanted to do a spoiler cast with it, and it just it never ended up going from for the part two aspect of it. But I just... I- I'll I'll play that I'll play through that game right now just to do the do the spoiler cast. Oh, I remember most things about the game, so I'm willing to do that with you. I again, if Naughty Dog wants to make a third one, it has to be their choice. They cannot get forced by any entity to do it. Otherwise, you're going to come with a subpar product. And unlike a lot of people out there, I liked Last of Us Part Two a lot. I did, and. Any naysayer who gives their reasoning is just, I feel like they're not getting the story. And I understand what you guys are saying, that it's a cliffhanger ending. And to get closure, you would like a third one. I'm saying I don't necessarily need that. All right, V, how do you feel? I didn't play it. A lot of the games, like the first person shooter games, I do watch Matt play. And it is very much this idea of even as the person watching this game and watching the story unfold, it needs a part three at that point. If they want to go with the multiplayer being something different, that's fine. If they want, but they need a single player part three is all I'm going to say on that one. All right, and I, the more I sit down with Matt and V on the show, the more I'm realizing V streams on Twitch, but when she wants to watch Twitch, she just goes to Matt's TV. I do. That's really <laughs> what it is. It's when I, if I want to watch somebody play a video game, I go over to see what he's doing. <laughs> and it's uh, and it's very much comes with that. And we... It's how we play our games. I can remember Matt not wanting to play Bioshock, but he wanted to understand the story of Bioshock. So I would play Bioshock. I think that was the biggest like first-person shooter that I ever really played. And it was also the first game that I threw my controller at. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... But... I think the great part about the two of us being in the relationship that we are and both being gaming, like a gaming people is that both of us don't have to play the same game, but we can still enjoy what the other person is playing. Yes, we will play the same game if it's like two versions of it, but he likes his challenges. He likes what he, his first person shooters. I like my storytelling games and my farming simulators. So it really does become a really good way for me to sit here and be like, I understand what you guys are talking about because I have not played the game, but I have watched the game from start to finish. 
Sorry, I'm typing some idiot on Facebook. Okay. Um, I apologize, everybody. Hold on a second. Uh, and that is not me as the idiot for once. <laughs> no, no, no. I, somebody, somebody, so, uh, I, a little sidetrack here before we get into the, the deep territory of the show. Uh, I play in the division, and obviously, they stopped. Uh, releasing content after uh, a, a season, and they they released the first four seasons, uh, first four seasons, and then on the fifth season they went back and redid season uh, season one, two, three, and four, and then season nine was essentially the next year. Somebody's confusing the fact that they're saying year five content with season five content, and he's arguing with me, and I'm just it's I'm I'm going off. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I I just I. I, I, I hate when people on the internet just like you're pointing out like a tiny mistake they made. Like, this is why you're getting confused. And they're like, nope, I'm doubling down. Dave announced this on social media. I'm like, well, I follow this game religiously. I can tell you for right. a fact they have not released this on any of their social medias. I thought you'd be more familiar with making mistakes. I mean, you keep saying Breath of the Wild's not a Zelda game. so Because uh, it's absolutely true. Breath of the Wild is not a Zelda game. Breath of the Wild is an amazing. I'm not going down this path with you two. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So, again, I'm going to reiterate. We're going into a controversial topic now. We're going to try to toe the line the best we can. If anybody has a problem with this, please talk to us uh, directly because. If something gets missaid or misinterpreted, I want to be clear from the start. The four of us are all in lockstep. We are against homophobia. We are against transphobia. We think that anybody that has those opinions is absolutely wrong. Everybody agree so far? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Alex? Why do you even got to ask me? You know my opinion. The listeners know my opinion. I... I well, I, I want it to be said on the show, so if anybody says you guys are homophobic or transphobic or whatnot, anything said, I want it to be clear that we stated from the outset, that's not where we stand. Uh, my job right now for the next however long is just to present the facts to you guys. It doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with anything. Okay? Understood. Our topic of the week is stemming from the controversy surrounding Hogwarts Legacy and the fact that people are calling for a boycott of the game because of J.K. Rowling's comments. Our first article is coming from IGN and is written by Ryan Dinsdale. Headline reads, Hogwarts Legacy discussion is banned from Reset Era's forums over the J.K. Rowling controversy. Discussion of the Hogwarts Legacy has been banned from the popular website due to the controversial surrounding J.K. Rollins' comments. As reported by PC Gamer, Reset Era General Manager B-Dubs has released a statement from their moderation team that bans all mention of the Harry Potter Universe video game on their platform. Reset Era has previously banned any promotional posts around the game, things like new trailers and announcements, but it has now extended this to any discussion. Quote, the mod team has decided to expand our prior ban on promotion for the Hogwarts game to include the game itself. There will be no 
off-topic chat and no discussion of this game, end quote. After internal discussion, we began to start outlining the issues put forth by Rollin and the game in question, and each time... As we discussed it all, we kept coming back to the simple fact that Rowland is not only a bigot, but is actively pushing in her position as a wealthy and famous individual for legislation that will hurt trans people. That was the entire quote. Warner Brothers Games has made it clear that Rowland is not directly involved with Hogwarts Legacy and the game itself, which lets players create their own character and attend the school for witches and wizards and will reportedly allow for the creation of transgender characters. That is the first article. Does anybody want to make comments associated with that article before I move on to the next one? So I think the heart of that first article is the fact that a website is banning speech surrounding a certain topic. Correct. Which all I'm going to say is, just like Twitter and just like any other private entity, that is their prerogative. That is their business model. And anything surrounding that is their call. What the users of that site decide to do, that's on them. Anybody else? Nope. Got him. So, got him. Like, I'm so nervous right now. It's it, it's very much where for that article specifically is they are making a decision and if people agree with it or disagree with that decision, they don't have to use that website. And if they do not believe that the game should, if they believe the game should be boycotted, once again, that is on them. But you don't, if you do not agree with what they are doing, you do not have to go to their website. All right, moving on to the next article, also coming from IGN and is written by Luke Winky. Again, go give all these articles a click because I'm reading these entirely just to make sure that all, everything's being stated. Uh, this article is saying that Hogwarts Legacy developers respond to controversy around the creator's anti-gender views. Harry Potter let Hogwarts Legacy allows players to zoom around on broomsticks, master exotic spellbooks, and break bread with their fellow students on castle grounds. There are millions of Harry Potter fans on the planet, and after years of middling movie tie-ins and App Store uh, Floridism, Port Key Games promised the first full-throttled, big-budget embrace of the Wizarding World. Unfortunately, the author and primary rights holder of the Harry Potter franchise, J.K. Rowling, has recently reinvented herself as one of the pro prominent anti-gender voices in the culture, which has torpedoed much of the dizzy dizzy goodwill the Hogwarts Legacy was supposed to offer. As the game inches closer to release only two weeks away, poor key customers will be navigating a thicket of unresolvable ethical quandaries. Is it possible to divorce the themes of love and belonging <coughs> Excuse me. so crucial to the Harry Potter canon from its author? Can the Wizarding World ever be reclaimed from J.K. Rowling if she stands to profit from every unit that Hogwarts Legacy sells? 
Here is how Alan too, the game's director, addressed those discrepancies. I quote, I think for us, there are challenges in every game we've worked on. This game has been no different. When we bumped into those challenges, we went back and refocused on the stuff that we really care about. We know our fans fell in love with the Wizard of the World, and we believe they fell in love with the right for, with it for the right reasons. We know there's a diverse audience. For us, it's making sure the audience who's always dreamed of having this game had the opportunity to feel welcomed back. They have a home here, and if that's and that that it is a good place to tell their story. End quote. To stop short mention of J.K. Rowling by name, nor did he say anything directly about trans issues or trans rights. I asked him a second question if he himself had ever had any second thoughts about working on this IP after Rowling's biases made headlines. And after a pause, two reiterated his early statement that the team made Hogwarts Legacy for everyone. Nevertheless, the backlash against Rollins' ongoing opposition to transgender inclusion remains a core of the conversion around, con- uh, excuse me, around the conversation around Harry Potter. It has included Harry Potter alumni Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe, both of whom have pushed back against Rollins' stance with the statements of their own. All right, the rest of the article is just saying they saw the game. All right, anybody want to say anything about this before I move on? So. This is a topic that I think has come up with not just gender rights or anything like that, but with artists in general. In one of the ways that I've been hearing it for years is, can you separate the art from the artist? So if you think of other controversial figures... And uh, I'm going to bring this up just as an example, is the Chris Brown controversy. What happened with Chris Brown and uh, Rihanna happened, but people still love his music. So if you can separate an artist and still enjoy the art that they create. You can create something without that person's thought process in it. And as he stated very clearly, it's like everyone is welcome. He didn't say anything along the lines of you can't do this. You can't do that. We're, doing this they are being extremely careful with how they are navigating this whole thing because it is such a hot topic because any misstep will bring it back to what she said Regard, regardless of whether it, 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 she created a world that has a freaking Universal Studios things going on, like that to to say that people 
cannot continue to love the story or use the story or to use the Harry Potter world as the background for something because someone is an idiot. I find to be ridiculous. And I feel like the whole controversy behind it is they, these people are trying to say this person, the person that created this world basically is a douchebag. So that whole world and everything that she created should be burned to the ground. And I don't think that that's correct. Do, should they hold her responsible for what she said? And should she not have any further monetary benefits if they are going to include things that they don't agree in? Yes. But to say that that person, like, to take away something that so many people love and enjoy just because someone in that group because you're not just putting you're making a statement for jk rawlings you're you're making a statement saying i'm not doing that because of her think about the people that the actors the actresses the developers the directors everybody else that were in these movies that were coding these games that were doing everything that these games that have a true pure love for this ip you're going to basically t try to take that away from them because of one idiot's opinion. I I don't I didn't want to cut you off, so I just uh, no, that's um, fine. Okay, uh, Alex, I'll throw the floor to you if you want to say anything about this before I move on. The big question, if you if you know, for those who do disagree with what J.K. Rowling says. The big conundrum is, well, I'm a Harry Potter fan, but how do I not support her, but then also support Harry Potter? And to be honest, there she's the creator of it. There may not be a way around it. Um, so that in lies, again, the conundrum. Like, with me, like Activision, um, I will not buy an Activision product until they get, you know, after all the allegations of, you know, sexual misconduct against team members and it, it and it seems like things were swept under the rug and just the frat boy culture they had there until all of that is fixed or you know and it may never be completely fixed but until they seem to try to actually seriously fix that problem i'm not buying anything from activision and you know that is in some way punishing the teams that work there but not um you know there are there are a lot of people there who are not guilty of that there are a lot of people there that are just hard working they want to put out fun games and by me doing that, I am not supporting them, which you could ask is not necessarily, is, you know, is that fair? Maybe the answer is no, but also I have to ask myself, what is my giving money to Activision? Is it a good thing or a, a bad thing? You know, so there is that conundrum there to where are you willing to support the uh, the creator possibly by your continued love of a something that they have created? Now, luckily, Activision Blizzard, I can give up their games and not really care because, to be honest, I didn't buy many of their games in the first place. Um, but Harry Potter is a very different thing where you have Harry Potter, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. You have the movies. You have all the merchandise. There's a lot that goes into that. And I think that Harry Potter is a much more beloved franchise than anything 
really that Activision puts out. Yeah, I know that Candy Crush is popular. Yeah, I know that Call of Duty is popular. But the kind of I mean, Harry Potter is a big part of the zeitgeist of the last, you know, ever since the inception of those books, you know, I I'm, I think they what came out in the 90s, they started in the 90s. So, you know, that's a major cultural touchstone. So I can understand why people wouldn't be, would look at that and be, they would be reticent to give it up or to not, you know, continuing to love that franchise. You know, like V said, it's, you know, up to each individual person. Do you feel good giving your money to you know, this company that may be working with a property created by someone who's an asshole. Um, and, you know, when you work with, with Harry Potter, you got to know that part of that storm's coming. You have to know that there's going to be discussion around your game or whatever that is associated with J.K. Rowling because of what she has said. And you kind of got to be prepared for it because some people will hold the opinion that, well, I still love Harry Potter. You know, I don't agree with J.K. Rowling, but I still love Harry Potter. And then there's other people like, well, screw J.K. Rowling and screw Harry Potter. I mean, there's both those people exist. And it's just kind of a personal question that you have to answer yourself. I understand where Bat and V are coming from. And, you know, Tricky, even you have said to me, it's like, do you punish the the developers of Hogwarts Legacy for what J.K. Rowling said? And yeah, it may be unfair. At the same time, though, as a creator of that stuff, you got to see it coming from at least a portion of the audience. The people are going to look at that and your involvement with that game created by that, you know, with that property created by that person, and you're going to be seen in negative light because of that. So, yeah, you're working with a hot IP and something that potentially just by name will make you a lot of money, but you also have to be prepared for the backlash when people come and say, oh, well, you're with that J.K. Rowling thing, you know, up yours. All right, uh, Matt, I'm going to let you go last because normally I, I, I try to follow everybody, but uh, I I had a conversation uh, through Messenger with V and Matt and saying that we we're going to be covering this and whatnot, and I didn't really express to them you know, either way how I felt or anything like that. I just said, hey, we're going to be talking about this. But when I had the phone conversation with Alex, letting him know that we're going to be talking about this, the one thing I brought up, and V, you kind of touched on it a little bit as well, is if if you find out somebody that you've supported or somebody that you have, you know, uh, uh, I hate the word to use the word relationship, but you have a relationship with these people, you know, like I, I brought up to Alex, like the Lost Prophets, you know, do you stop listening to their music because it turns out the lead singer was a pedophile? Do you stop listening to R. Kelly because of the things he's done. Do you no longer find Bill Cosby funny because of the shit he's done? It you 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 toe that line all the time. And when it comes to JK Rowling, like people have loved these Harry Potter books for the longest time. It spurned multi-million dollar movies. Such a success. But in 2020 hindsight, when you go back and you and you find out that J.K. Rowling has said the things she said, it does not change the fact that you have loved that work before. So I find it very hard to sit here and justify and say, I'm not going to buy something Harry Potter just because it's going to put a few dollars in J.K. Rollins's pocket. To me, it comes down to the product. 
Do you like the songs? Do you like the movies? Do you like the books? If you do, the author or the creator of that content could be a total shithead. But do you get any enjoyment out of it? I think the problem in today's world is that a lot of people feel, and I, to be honest, I don't know how I feel on it, but a lot of people's opinions change saying, I don't think I can enjoy Harry Potter anymore because the author is an asshole. But for years, you've loved the content. But now that you find out the author is an asshole, now somehow it changes your opinion of the work that you've loved for many, many years. And I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about that. I was never buying Hogwarts Legacy because I was never a bigger, big Harry Potter fan. My daughter, on the other hand, is big into Harry Potter. So it was always torn the line. Like, am I going to pick this up for her? Hearing stories like this, it it makes me uncomfortable because you got to toe that line. Do I still find Bill Cosby funny? Was the Cosby show one of the, the greatest shows on television? But now you find out that years later... While he was making the Cosby show, he was doing some despicable shit. You know, it, it to me, it's 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 a weird thing, to, situation for people to be in. But I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that just because I buy a Harry Potter product that I'm not going to do that just because it's going to put a few dollars in an asshole's pocket. Matt, I'll give you the four. Thanks. Um, there's a lot of thoughts I have. And the first is directly relating to the article. I don't envy the director in the position he's in. He's charged with making a game with as in a world that results from a very controversial person. He's trying to answer questions, frankly, that are loaded that are trying to Put him in a catch-22 and I think he did a great job answering him the way he did the way because I know there's a couple more articles you want to go into discussing specifically what JK Rowling has said there's from all sides of this argument so I have some friends who and one particular who I remember her Facebook post who said reconsider if we're friends if you buy this game so they're putting a zero tolerance aspect on that because even though it's a few dollars those few dollars add up and the way that this person spends their money is of importance and i actually have a comment on that in a little bit so you've got people who love harry potter but don't want to buy the game because they don't contribute so that way they don't contribute anymore to this person who they have opposing views with. You have people who are going to buy the game because they don't know the controversy behind it because they don't follow anything. But generally, that's going to be few and far between because if you love Harry Potter, you know the controversy for the most part. You have people who are going to buy the game and they don't care what J.K. Rowling says because maybe they agree with it or maybe it's not that important of an issue to them. I liken this to taxes we pay in the U.S. I pay my taxes. 
A lot of it goes to certain things I agree with. A lot of it goes with, to certain things I don't agree with. But I don't have a choice in taxes. They have to be paid. You have a choice in what you do with this game. And that is a personal decision you have to make. And anybody who is conflicted in the fact that you're giving J.K. Rowling money because you disagree with her thoughts, I offer you this. Because we know that makes that person richer. And it makes them, as she's put in tweets saying, you giving me money means you agree with me. That has no bearing on the individual. That's just her on a power trip trying to spread more of this message that she wants to spread. If you feel guilty about that, about giving her money, there's a couple different options. Wait until it's available at GameStop on the secondhand market because then you're giving your money to GameStop, not J.K. Rowling. If you still buy it new and feel guilty, I offer you to donate to a worthy cause equal to the amount of that game because that's going to far outweigh what you give J.K. Rowling. I don't want to mention the third option because we don't talk about that here, but R, the my alias that V has pointed out many times is Ender. I go by the name Ender Phoenix, Ender Phoenix Pyro, Ender the Pyro. That comes from Ender's Game, written by Orson Scott Card, who I found out after I read and fell in love with this series, is also another individual outspoken against the not quote-unquote non-traditional lifestyle. And that's money I've given to this guy because I love his series. So I've been in this fight before. It's just there's no games or anything else coming out about Ender's Game that we have a more current controversy on. But it's something I think about daily. Do I change my name? Do the, A name that I've had and been using since 2009-ish. 2007, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think of. But ultimately, what you do with your money is your choice. What I have a difficult time dealing with are the people who give you ultimatums and zero-sum categories, that if you do this, we can no longer be friends. Because in this great country, in this great world, we can have certain varying differences of opinions. And I know a lot of them can be very politically driven because one person's difference of opinion could legitimately affect somebody else's way of life, as we've seen this past summer with certain changes made by the Supreme Court. You're asking me to skirt the line, and I'm trying to put this as delicately as possible. You're, but fi- you're, fi- you're fine right now. I think the problem is ultimatums. And, you know, you could do something like, I'm going to boycott Hobby Lobby and, and Chick-fil-A because of I know what their money goes to. I'm going to boycott this organization because they donate towards this cause I don't agree with. I don't want to support this thing because that's what their cause is. If Metallica comes out tomorrow and goes, hey, yeah, we're, we're, 
They're not. <laughs> but if they come out and come out and found out they're currently racist, not something that they said in the past, not something that, that has happened in a different age, but they currently say, oh, yeah, we support this, we support that. That kind of makes it easy for me to go, okay, I'm never going to buy an album of theirs again, but I can still enjoy, like you said, Tricky, what they put out in the past. It's, it's heartbreaking to see that these developers who are working so hard on this game, making something that they love, caught up in this controversy because all they want to do is put out a product that they love and they legitimately want people to enjoy. So with that said, I've given options. I've made suggestions on what people can do with their money if they legitimately have an issue with this. Um, but ultimately, kind of like you all are saying, and you specifically said, Alex, it's your own personal decision on how you do that. And that's up to you to deal with. All right. And before I go into the other articles, I just want to make one thing clear uh, before anybody says or has a comment about this. I, I've seen somebody say that Porky Games, uh, they should have known better to make a Harry Potter game, knowing that they were going to go into this controversy. It's worth noting that this game was well in development before J.K. Rollins made her statements. So at the point they started making this game, you know, all this controversy didn't exist. And it's unfair to the developers to target them. The, I'm talking about the developers of Porky to target them because of a statement that was made after they were had spent countless hours working on this well, game. Wait, hold on. So she it, made those comments before the game. How long has the game been in development? Uh, well, I don't know exactly when it started in development, but uh, I believe she made these comments in 21, correct? There was a... Let me look it up. I, I think the the thing here is it's been a while that people have known that J.K. Rowling... It was in 20. Sorry, go ahead, it was, I'm I'm sorry. It was uh, June of 20 when she made these statements. I, I think the issue here is she's really been ramping it up over the last year or so and that's where leading up to the delivery of this game i think that's really kind of where a lot of the controversy has started all right so not i'm not trying to cut anybody off or you know i i tried to give everybody there for um just to play uh, just to have the other side heard okay a lot of people read a headline jk rollin made transphobic comments blah 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 blah, and that's where i would say a lot of people stopped they didn't go into what she actually said which i think is a problem in society nowadays with all aspects of the stuff we see on social media and stuff like that people hear it see a headline and that's where they stop and they don't go digging into it. So just to be fair, and again, I'm not I'm not advocating for her. I just want to be clear about what she's actually said. Now, also being known, I did what I could on research to find out what she said. What I'm about to read is not 100% of the comments she's made or whatnot. There could be other things that I'm not aware of or I'm not going to mention on this show. 
But to be clear, I'm just reading the article. This article is coming from Glamour.com and is written by Abdi Gardner. <sighs> okay. Um, Harry Potter series author J.K. Rowling came under fire in early June of 2020 for controversial tweets she posted about the transgender community. Her stance, has, her stance has caused fans and stars of the Wizarding World like Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, and Eddie Redmayne to speak out against the author. And it says, here's everything you need to know. In June, on June 6, 2020, sorry, Rowling retweeted the op-ed piece to discuss, quote, people who menstruate, end quote, apparently taking issue with the fact that the story did not use the word women. Quote, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wubbin, Whippond, Woomond, end quote. Which then caused a lot of people to start. Uh, this is my, which caused a lot of people to start the, the, the process of saying that she was trans, uh, anti-trans. Article goes on to say, the initial tweet garnered a lot of black backlash, but the Harry Potter author did not relent and wrote about her views in more detail. Quote, if sex isn't real, there's no same sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningf meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. The idea that women like me, who have been empathetic to trans people for decades, feel in kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and live consequence is nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live the way Live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if, if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. She, another tweet, quote, I've never felt shouted down, ignored, and targeted as a lesbian within our supposed GLBT community as I have over the last couple of years, end quote. Uh, there is more, um, but does anybody want to speak so far? The, I, I appreciate that you're actually bringing out what was said, because there's a lot of, people that you said that just read an article and just move on with their day thinking that that the, a clickbait article title is fact right um i'm not here to analyze what she said i'm just interested that words are important no more so than what we speak than what we write because what we speak could be misunderstood but words that are written have a lot of weight because people can sit down and read them and analyze them and pick them apart word for word. So it's actually a big thing that I don't have Twitter. I, I don't, I think, and anybody who knows me on Facebook, 
I just put up silly pictures of my cat and dog. I, I rarely post anything political because in this day and age, you can't be sure what's going to be brought back against you years down the line because morals have changed or something has shifted away from something that you used to believe. Um, so I think it's incredibly important to have the documented history of what somebody has said to really have that discussion. I think my, my bigger thing is, is that I believe that people intertwine the word sex and gender a lot. And I have explained this to people of an older generation in the best way that I can can do this without um being the like the complete idiot that I could be with it. And then I, I basically said your sex is a, like a, a biological thing and gender is more of a psychological thing. However, we have such a stigma on the idea of brain chemistry and mental illnesses and physical illnesses. Like there is still such a things that people don't understand like that. Oh, hi, kitty. That's ADD. I do take medication for that. And I do take medication for other mental issues because my brain is broken. The issue comes in a part that there are people that are going to be where their biology, their, their psychology and their uh, hormones and everything like that are not producing properly and if that means that they are they feel as though they are the wrong gender or in the wrong body it is not up to another person to tell them that might not be like medically seen it has been shown that there are people that are in the wrong body but some random non-medical person coming out and basically saying, I don't believe what you believe in, so you can't believe it either. And I can remember when there was the whole religion, like um, freedom of religion. And there was a great comic that I had seen on it, which was freedom of religion is I don't agree, but my religion does not agree with what you're doing, so I'm not going to participate. Freedom of religion is not, I don't agree, like, my religion does not agree with what you're doing, so you have to stop it. You have the right to do what you want as as a person and your beliefs, but you cannot force those beliefs on another person. And I feel like that's what happened. And that is what's happening with this whole controversy. The other thing that comes into play is that she is now 
contradicting herself in the articles and what she's doing because she goes I've never felt like like I support you but you're wrong for what you're doing and that's I think where a lot of people are pulling into this is that she's not being truth she's not being 100% truthful about how she feels and she's trying to like save face Alex Yeah I mean I I'm I just it's um you never want to tell somebody what to think but when you're trying to marginalize um a group of people it's uh becomes a lot more dangerous territory and to you know to act like a certain group of people people who you know decide that uh you know they're they're not the right gender and they need to undergo a transformation they're trapped in a man's body and they need they feel like they're a woman and they need to transition to that it's not you know that person still deserves love they still deserve rights they still deserve respect so it's it's one of those things where, you know, I've never understood why people get so up in arms about how people identify because, quite frankly, that doesn't have an impact on my life. It doesn't have an impact on your life. It just impacts that person's life. And somebody should be allowed, you know, within, you know, the law to live a life that makes them happy and makes them fulfilled and, and live in, in how they want. So people who get all up in arms and make jokes about there's thousands of genders now or whatever, like I don't understand that because that per- however somebody else identifies is not any bearing on your life at all. So yeah, I, I don't understand why those people are so up in arms about things. Um, but with with Rowling, you know, to be so prominent and to be you know so somebody who is so tied to pop culture and such a historical figure someone has so much power and such a platform to speak from you have to be aware of how your words the damage your words can do and again marginalizing people is it's it's dangerous and you know i think that people who you know don't it's it's a tough situation like it again you know we have someone here who's created something incredibly popular but yet she herself is in the light in the limelight because she has said some things that people a lot of people don't agree agree with so i mean i i I don't know what to say more than that i i don't understand the hatred for transgender people or the willingness to strip their rights away or to the ability to say oh well they're not people or they're not worthy um and i think that J.K. Rowling needs to think twice about what she says and the kind of power she has to put out the message there and how it can be received by people and how it can be used against people. Yeah, I I think she's found herself in a bind and kind of stuck her foot in her mouth. Whether she cares or not, that's, you know, it doesn't seem like she does. But I I, I, I don't know. I think that we all need to look at her situation and recognize what the mistakes that she has made and kind of reckon with that and, and how, you know, we can all, you know, improve ourselves, whether, you know, 
you agree with or not, how we can all improve ourselves and just kind of be more respectful of each other. And, you know, hopefully everybody else follows suit because, again, marginalizing an entire group of people who are worthy of rights and the same rights that I'm afforded to, the same safeties and everything that I'm afforded to, that should go for everybody. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say anything else beyond that, but it's it's a sad situation that we have to have this discussion in terms of something so beloved as Harry Potter, and then how the creator of it has kind of come out as someone who has at times very seemed very, very hateful uh, for no reason whatsoever. All right. Uh, I'm going to make... Uh, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and then we're going to wrap this up. I'm not going to go into the other uh, article, just because... I just realized we're approaching the three-hour mark, and I didn't really realize that because uh, the show has been good so far, and I, I think this is a meaningful conversation. Um, it when it comes to society as a whole, it. it there are things that aggravate me and there's things that piss me off, you know, cancer culture, um, just because somebody said something, you know, 10 years ago, you know, like, uh, Kevin Hart, you know, having to apologize for a tweet he made 10 years ago. And because he didn't apologize, he wasn't allowed to host the Oscars. Um, it, when it comes to things that people say, you know, I, I think I think it's wrong that we have to be so so concerned about what we say because the second it comes out of our fingers onto a tweet or a post or it comes out of our mouth, we're immediately judged and criticized because of what was said or done. You know, if if I if I say something and not every person that's going to read it is going to agree with me. I know that I know that something I tweet may not be understood the way I wanted to be understood. I accept that. But the fact that we go so far back and saying this is the culture we live in and that. I have to be so worried about what I say or do because it could impact my future and the future of my child and the future of my wife and all this other stuff. That kind of stuff aggravates me. Not defending J.K. Rowling, but the tweets I read. Now, again, I started this off by saying, I don't know everything she said. But the tweets I read did not, to me, sound transphobic at all it sounded like she was actually in support of trans people now all the tweets i read were the day of the same day so i don't know past that if she's made other things i see something down here where she made a tweet uh using the acronym turf uh uh i i want to find it real quick i'm sorry um TERF, T-E-R-F, which, according to the article, is an acronym for Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminist. I've never even heard of that before. 
And I guess that kind of like started the the anti-trans stuff. I know through talking to somebody that's uh, a fan of the show that a guest one time made a statement or, or used a turn of a phrase. And I later found out that that was a derogatory term. I didn't know that. And the person, to their credit, they didn't come out at, at us and say anything. I just noticed that person hadn't been interacting in a long time. And I said, hey, what's going on? And then it was explained to me. And then I was like, oh, wow. Like, this simple phrase in America means something totally different in their country. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, like, we call cigarettes cigarettes here, but in Europe... It's a term that we can't say here in America because it's a derogatory term. I, 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 I say all this to say that I'm not defending anybody on either side of the, the, the argument on this. I just don't understand how you could try to cancel something. You know, because if, if J.K. Rowling never tweeted any of this stuff, Everybody would still be loving Harry Potter. Everybody would still be buying the stuff. Everybody would be excited for this game. But now that J.K. Rowling said something and it kind of snowballed, now those same people that loved Harry Potter now hate Harry Potter? That does not make sense to me. V, you were about to say something. It's it's hard because... One of the things that I've always, like, tried to deal with, and we've had many discussions about this, uh, just because of uh, situations in our lives, but there is... If I were... And this is 100% just a situation right, of anything, whatever is going on. If I were to have said the things that J.K. Rowling had said, and I had posted it on Twitter, that may hit, like, 10 people at max, and 90% of the time, nobody would have known that I would have said it. You know, just because I am a quote-unquote regular person. You know, I don't have a platform to stand on. I don't have anything that is like, I don't have millions and millions of fans watching my streams or caring about what I had for dinner that day. When someone creates something as large as Harry Potter or they are a celebrity and have a platform that they are seen in a different light than us regular Joes. Yes. Your reach and your, your words are going to mean, are going to be scrutinized. They're going to be looked at as under a microscope. In the sense that you are 
the creator of this wonderful series and you literally just decided to use that for if I wanted to put it in black and white, you decided to use that for uh, evil instead of good. Like, that's where I think, like, a disconnect is going, where someone like Kevin Hart or someone like J.K. Rawlings um, or somebody who has a significant amount of influence on the world says something along those lines that's a cancel culture to me is that when it is someone of significance and let's just take like how many young impressionable like men were taking what was Alex Turkoff is that what his I think that's what his name was but he had such a platform and he used it for such an evil thing. Because he had that platform. And there are so many people that he was able to touch. And he used that platform for evil. And that's what I think is happening in this situation where you created this amazing inclusionary world why are you using your platform to go completely against that? All right. All right. Uh, before I close this out, Matt or Alice, do you have any final comments? No, I mean, I'm, I think I've said all I need to say. Yeah. All right, Matt. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying as Alex, I think I've put out what I needed to. Okay. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's listened this far. I, I know this is not generally the, the content that we give you guys on Trophy Horse, and I know that there's a lot of people that are going to wonder why we talked about this. I just thought because of how this story is developing, or has developed, I should say, and how it's affecting uh, the video game world and how people are talking about boycotting this game, I thought this was an important discussion for us to have because this story is not going away and we're probably going to hear about this for the next two weeks and even further on. So I want to thank everybody for listening so far. Thank you for your patience. And I'm glad that, you know, we were able to sit down the four of us and have a conversation where there was no name calling, no screaming, no, you know, anger. We just had an open conversation and I greatly appreciate that. How dare you not think Breath of the Wild is a, not a Zelda game? Oh. All right. So with that being said, <laughs> let's close out the show. Let's do some shout outs. Matt, your shout out, sir. Thank you, Tricky. Thank you, Alex. Yield, I hope your Bengals won. I don't follow football, but I just want you to be happy. So if if that's what makes you happy, I hope they won. Uh, shout out to my lovely wife and everything she brings to the table, uh, especially... Uh, you know, just making me record with everybody because mm-hmm. uh, evidently you guys had a great show. It was a great show. I listened to it last week. I was very entertained. It's just, it's weird hearing my name so many times when I'm not part of the conversation. People asked me about you a lot. <laughs> you have to assume that your wife talks about you behind your back all the time. Oh, he knows that I have group chats about it. It's fine. All right. Just, just for the record, as of recording uh, right now, 
The Bengals are tied with the Chiefs with eight seconds to go in the fourth quarter. So looks like the game oh over. no no Chiefs just went up by three. Oh yep, Ooh. it literally just updated. Just up, went up by three. <laughs> I'm on the Google. I'm like, I want to see. I want to see a Chiefs uh, a Chiefs Eagles because you got the Kelsey brothers. Oh, then it's a good thing that uh, Yields is not on the show because he he was going off. I know he's gonna murder y- me. Yield is probably cursing his brains out right now. V yes. your shoutouts. <laughs> Um, I would like to thank Tricky. I would like to thank Alex for setting this up. Um, I would like to thank my amazing husband, who is a, a wonderful partner and a topic of discussion anytime, as he is the PlayStation person and I am the everything else person. So, <laughs> Matt's the, the reason why V knows about PlayStation games. I don't. I do play games. You just think that. No, no. I said Matt is the reason why you know about PlayStation games. No, I, 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 I used to play PlayStation games. I haven't earned a trophy since 2019, so I doubt that. Uh, uh, yeah, because Final Fantasy 15 came out, <laughs> and then I beat that, and I did I'm everything, sorry. and I'm still waiting for 16. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get yelled at by Ashley soon if I don't close out the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you don't want to shout out? I'm sorry. I cut yes, you off. Yes, I am. Thank you, husband. I love you. Alex, your shout out. Your sir. shout out to the community, the listeners, the fuel to the fire this trophy horse. Uh, you all are awesome. And it's uh, the reason that we have uh, this show that has been, I would say, so successful as, the, as you all. The driving force behind it, we wouldn't be here without you all. So thank you all very much for your continued support. A shout out to Yield. Uh, unfortunately, his Bengals did not win, or it looks like they're not going to win. Uh, but hopefully, you know, can take uh, all the Bengals fans can take solace in the fact that they had another really good season um, after kind of a rough start. Shout out to Tricky for recording tonight, and uh, of course, a big shout out to Matt and Veronica for coming on. Tricky, they weren't even that mean to you; they didn't even really double team you. They just kind of came on and gave their opinions. I mean, what were you worried about? I wasn't worried. You were shaking in your boots. You were shitting your pants. I I was shaking. I was shaking my boots about the topic of the week. It could have gone so bad. Well, if anyone was going to get all riled up, it was going to get. You me. have some intelligent people here. Well, no, 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 no. It, it wasn't about intelligence at all. It's just when you talk about things like that, one little statement could set off the whole conversation, and I was very worried that was going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry. Alex, finish your shout outs. Uh, well, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley, who has been waiting for, for me now for, for three hours. Uh, we'll have to put The Last of Us uh, episode three on hold until probably tomorrow or another day. But, uh, but yeah, I love you, honey. And uh, that's going to be my shout outs. Uh, I'm going to start off my shout outs by saying thank you, Ashley, uh, because you've allowed us to have Alex for three hours. I did not anticipate it. It's going to be more than three hours, hours when I get done editing this thing. Yes. Um, but thank you very much, Ashley. Uh, I, I do believe this was a good show and a good conversation. So I thank you very much for uh, allowing us to have Alex that long. Shout out to Yield, who unfortunately will be back uh, probably every week now because the Bengals are no longer playing. The game has gone final. I'm sorry, Yield. I know you're never going to hear this. But I am sorry, Yield, that your uh, Bengals did not make it. Um, shout out to Sweet Mama D, who came out to twice to get me to her unlocker switch because she's in her bedroom playing Pokemon. Uh, what I don't know which version she has. 
Well, it's either Scarlet or Violet, so. I don't know. Sweet Mama D, which Pokemon are you playing? Which one? So, oh, so it's it's Generation Eight. It's Galar. It's the previous generation. Yeah. I I the only Pokemon I play is Pokemon Go. Um, a shout out to the goddess who uh, came here. We had a nice uh, dinner watching Rumble at work last night. They, her and Sweet Mama D came to my job, and we sat down and we had some uh, good Italian food. Uh, I had a uh, chicken parm, which was fantastic. Uh, shout out to all the listeners. Thank you for everybody in the, in the Twitch chat. I, I know I haven't really been paying attention. I probably missed a bunch of your comments, but shout out to Latin Legacy. Shout out to Murdered. Shout out to VN Ender for both being in the chat. Uh, unfortunately, like Alex doesn't go into our chat and read the Twitch chat. That's just a little to get you, Alex. Sorry. Uh, shout out to V for having her own sweatpants because apparently she's not still in mats. Nope. Um, shout out to everybody. Thank you very much. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines.